and welcome back, folks, to Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast for our last episode of the year 2018. Womp womp. Uh, I am your host. Woo! Womp, woo, whatever. Whatever you're feeling today, optimistic, pessimistic, um, that's where we're at. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as usual, is Nick. Jess will be joining us for our special third part of this episode our special bonus end of 2018 reflection bit uh but nick and i are gonna be with you and guide you through all of the marvel's biggest books of december of 2018 as well as some of their biggest news stuff uh if you're coming to us from apple podcasts stitcher or other places that people listen and get podcasts from please do subscribe rate and review us we'd love to hear your thoughts uh, if you haven't already checked out multiversitycomics.com, where we're hosted, what are you waiting for? Uh, Multiversity Comics is your home for all of your comic news, reviews, and other think pieces, everything that you could want from your little comic lifestyle. They've been running a ton of end of 2018 content, uh, which has all been wonderful. A lot of best of pieces that the people on the site have voted collectively on and then some other reflections on the year 2018 and some other things looking ahead as we move into the new year but with that we're here to talk marvel-y things so nick how you doing you ready yeah i'm all ready all right we're all ready well cool well so kicking off this uh news section our first section uh we're going to be talking first about the trailer that broke the internet not really people say broke the internet about everything i think it just landed on the internet it was on the internet it's on the internet i think like servers are capable of not being broken (laughs) for the most part like they know when something's gonna be like breakable Breakable. and it's pretty easy to like maintain something so that that doesn't happen okay Okay, so the the trailer that people say broke the internet, but realistically didn't do that. Avengers Endgame. We now know the title of the fourth Avengers film coming out next year. The first trailer came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, so Nick, what were some of your your initial thoughts about the the Endgame trailer? All that jazz, where we're going as we move into this post infinity war world. So I, um, I, uh, forgot the question. I remember the question now. Um, when I first saw the trailer show up on the internet, like, I guess I saw it like a day late and mm-hmm. I saw everybody like hashtag Avengers Endgame, And I was like, Oh, okay. I, I forgot that they didn't name it yet. Um, <laughs> as you remember yeah. and as listeners probably remember i don't have uh, much of a, an emotional investment in the mcu movies but um it's fine <laughs> yeah i don't have much to say because there wasn't much to go on in the trailer and honestly don't care that much <laughs> <laughs> That's that's fair. I think like I think uh, so what you just said that there wasn't much to go on in the trailer. I think that's one of the points that I think is really interesting. Uh, we didn't get a lot of of you know plot details. We just got a lot of like really somber you know, character reflections like 
Cap's crying and Tony's about to die in space and everybody looks really, really sad. And I think that's better than a lot of trailers that we've got recently, which pretty much are just like spoiling the movie. Uh, like I was on, I was on Twitter and there was a, a tweet feed um, like a day or so ago, somebody saying, okay, all you people that went and saw Spider-Verse, let's not talk about that. Did y'all see that whole, that trailer about that dog movie that was there that basically went through the entire arc of the movie <laughs> while you were sitting? Yeah. So, so yeah. So I think, I, I think the, this, the trailer being really, really sparse is a good thing. Um, I don't know. And I, why, what do you think about people were speculating about what the name was going to be? What do you think about Endgame? What does um, Endgame do for you? Uh, I actually like that because it makes it seem like this really could be the end of like this era of Marvel movies. Um, and mm-hmm. I appreciate it when these sorts of things actually have an ending because, you know, after 20 movies, I feel like they should have some sort of satisfying conclusion. And the first, like, Infinity War set it up so that this can be a nice end to that whole era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people were were hoping or expecting or thinking that it might be a title that had more comic book roots or whatever else. But I think Endgame is a really good fit. Like, it definitely says this is this is the end of the... 20 some odd films that have been going for the last 10 years mm-hmm. it's, with these characters. I and, think it also makes sense yeah. that it's not uh, based in the comics at all, because if it were, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of comics have had the title Endgame. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure there have been a lot. <laughs> I'm thinking it might've even been an issue of <laughs> infinity gauntlet. Is it, is that right? It could not be. Anyway, that doesn't matter uh, because I think it's better if it's not because the movies, as I've sort of always said, are sort of their own animal. They're just a different thing. Mm-hmm. Like they they take characters that originated from comics and then they use them to make these completely different Hollywood blockbuster action films. Um, so I, I like that they're going their own direction. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about people where Hawkeye shows up again? He has wasn't in Infinity War, but now he's he's not Hawkeye anymore. He's got his his Ronin Ronin outfit on from the the Bendis run. What do you? Because you you read yeah. that this whole last year. That was one of the things that you. That mentioned. was exactly my reaction. Oh my god, I read that. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, okay, this good. is a thing that I recognize. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh yeah, I still don't care. <laughs> fair so so the trailer then did it did it make you want to go see this movie i mean you're gonna go see it anyway because we're probably gonna talk about it but uh no it didn't but yes i am still gonna see it (laughs) (laughs) okay fair enough fair enough yeah i i i think i almost would have been really really excited if the movie didn't have a trailer at all like if we had that huge cliffhanger from infinity war and then never never got a trailer didn't know anything about the movie until we walked into the theaters. But I think even, even this with as little as it showed, and I hope that this is the only trailer or at least if we get another trailer that it's, it's more like this where it's just uh, like more focused character beats instead of more bigger action scenes or fight scenes or more plot stuff. Like I don't, I don't want to go into this movie thinking that I kind of have everything figured out, which is a little bit what I thought 
when I walked into Infinity War, except I thought that all the old characters were going to die, except for and and then and then Thanos snapped, and all the the newbies are the ones that that got bit. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, a lot of a lot of movies, like you were saying before, a lot is spoiled by the trailer, and a, a lot of the time that's not the like that's the studio making those decisions. Like for the most part, it's not the people behind the movie who are making the trailers and that's all like the marketing team. Um, So I wonder if in this case, because it's such a huge movie, like they can afford the gamble, but also because it's such a big movie, I don't see them taking a gamble on a sparser trailer. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I think they could. I mean, they don't have to follow up. They don't have to do anything to make people go see Endgame. I mean, in in some ways, Infinity War for people that that aren't comic people or for people that have been have been following all these movies for the last 10 years. Like that's one of the biggest cliffhangers for a movie just ever Um, in some ways. I mean, I think that people know that in some ways it's going to be reversed, but like the movie going experience for somebody who had never read any of, of Starlin's infinite, like infinity saga stuff. And they're like, Oh my God, Thanos, Thanos just wiped out half the universe. How do you come back from that? Um, I think is really interesting. So I think I don't, I don't know that they will. I think you're right. Like, I think they could, they can spoil the hell out of this movie or, or put trailers out the wazoo, but I don't think they have to. And I think it would be really cool if they didn't, I think it would be a really cool movie going experience for, for all, for everyone not just comic-y people who, who have read the comics and kind of know some of the comic stuff. but mm-hmm. And I uh, I remember now where Endgame, uh, where I know it from in terms of comics, uh, it's the last episode of Young Justice Invasion. Oh, yeah. it is. It is, yeah. It's it's also the, um, the second Joker arc of Snyder and yeah. Capullo's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's everywhere. Or, and I... Yeah, I think I think some people were tweeting. There is an is an Avengers like short arc that's called Endgame, probably. Okay. But it was I don't I couldn't even tell you who it was yeah, written like by. Like a two issue arc by Roy Thomas in yeah the 60s. something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well. All right, moving right along. So next biggest news of the month of December, uh, Miss Marvel is getting a relaunch in March, and Gilla Wilson who co-created the character will be leaving the title after 60 issues. The new creative team that are taking over uh, is Saladin Ahmed, who uh, was writing Black Bolt and Exiles and then recently relaunched Miles Morales. And it'll be illustrated by Minkyu Young. So it starts in March. So Nick, what are your initial thoughts seeing seeing Wilson leave and seeing Ahmed and and Young take take on this title? Um, I'm surprised that we haven't talked about it because it feels like we did uh, in in when the news first broke. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I really loved G. Willow Wilson um, on that title. Uh, actually, did we talk about this last week or last episode? Wow. So 
fellow listeners, we're going to let you in on a little trade secret. We recorded part three of this episode a week ago. We mentioned it briefly in there, but we had not talked about it formally okay. in the sort of news moment, whatever. Okay, gotcha. Thing. So I'll just go all in. Um, I love, <laughs> I love uh, Tubilla Wilson on uh, Miss Marvel, um, especially the first like year or two of the title. That was like some of my favorite Marvel comics ever, probably. Um, I really, really love that run. Uh, as it went on, uh, I'd say it, it stayed pr- very high quality the entire time. And even to now, um, the writing is still top notch. Uh, it's still thought provoking when it wants to be and just fun. And uh, just, I think, how you can do sort of a new character uh, that is existing in this larger universe uh, for modern audiences. So, I really like it, um, and I can't say that I'm sad to see Wilson go, uh, just because I do feel like even though the quality is still pretty high, you can tell that she's starting to uh, like retell uh, certain stories, or maybe not even that, but you can tell that she's struggling to find new things to say with the character, um, and. I think every creator's run, uh, they should realize when that's happening and they should leave the book. And yeah, I think that's exactly where we are with the series. Um, yeah, it's just time for her to move on. And I think Saladin Ahmed, uh, we talked about how much we loved Exiles um, earlier in the year. And uh, yeah, that's I think that's still the only thing that I've read by him and the uh, Miles Morales issue from last week. But uh, yeah, he, he has a great... Uh, feel for these younger characters and i'm excited to see what he does yeah yeah i think i think you're absolutely right like i think the first um 25 issues of of miss marvel of, of wilson's run on the wilson and Ta- takashi miyazawa and adrian alfana and right is that did i get mm-hmm. those yeah. okay okay um yeah, I think I think all of that was was really really well done and and just beautiful and just and just the, honestly the way to introduce a new character in in this world like everything that led up to to Secret Wars with Miss Marvel was really beautiful and then it came back and it was still really good. It was the highlight of Civil War two, which was a horrible event. Um, and and then I guess about the time Legacy started, so or and even probably a little bit before that. Yeah, it is definitely seemed like we're kind of rehashing things or retelling, retelling things or telling stories or like saying similar things that, that have been said, but it's all, like you said, it's all still really, really good and well done. And, and, uh, and I think it sounds like she's got a lot more, uh, things lined up after this, like this, like she was a well, obviously a well-known, well-known writer beforehand, but she's got another novel coming out. She just, uh, started her long run on Wonder Woman. Her and Christian Ward have a book coming out at Dark Horse. Um, it seems like she's just got a lot more exciting things going for her, and so I'm excited about that. Uh, now for the new title, which I think I failed to mention, that so it's going to be re- relaunched as the Mag Magnificent Miss Marvel, uh, which is a an adjective that has not ever been on a Marvel book before. Um, uh, uh, Chris, our news editor, Multiversity in um, in our Slack channel. He he said that was a perfect adjective. He made it sound like um, 
he said something about like that seems like magnificent seems like a word that you would find more in like Arabic poetry than you would um, in a lot of other different contexts. So it's just it's just, he's, he made it sound like he it, it's it fits the character more than a different other adjective would. Um, yeah, I'm excited about about Saladin Ahmed. I read Black Bolt. It was really good and it won Eisner's. So that should say something. Exiles has been one of our favorite books on this podcast. And the Miles first issue from last week was a really good start. I think it's really interesting. I don't know that I would have expected Min Q Young to be the the artist on the book. Um, he's one of the DC artists workshop graduates um, and has done some villain work over at DC on books like Titans and Batgirl and Nightwing. Uh, and so this will be, I think, probably his first ongoing, um, which is really, really exciting. And it's interesting. I think Marvel's starting to snatch up a few of the the DC artists and writer workshop people that uh, were doing, you know, good work at DC and now can do more consistent work over at Marvel. Like Juan Ferreira is doing some stuff. And um, yeah, I just think it's it's interesting. So, but I think it's exciting. I think it'll be good. Also, did you see that Bab Star variant cover for the first issue? No, who's Bad Star? Bab Star. Oh, <laughs> the... yeah, Bab Star. Um, no, I didn't. <laughs> okay, I'll let me let me see if I can find it. I can send it to you in the in the chat. Anyway, it's it's really really pretty. Um, uh, it's like she's it's it's Kamala and she's um, she's like standing by like a shop window and she's like got a beanie on and then like she's got her back to the window and she's on her phone and then like in the window reflected like back to back to her is like her and her um in her like miss marvel costume i think i don't nice. know let me <laughs> oh oh i see it. anyway i got it okay. yeah that's that's really really okay. nice okay anyway <laughs> i think it'll be interesting like i think this will be and 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 ahmed in his in his inter- in his interview talking about the book he said it's going to be a little bit more um, a little bit more grounded and a little bit more centered in all the stuff going on in the Marvel universe. The title was always kind of it, like, like it reflected things that were going on in the rest of of the Marvel U, but it definitely was the life of all the people in Jersey City. And so it'll be interesting to see what changes as as uh, as it get re- gets real. And that's a, an interesting prospect. Like I wonder because Saladin Ahmed is writing more and more books for Marvel and uh, like when he first started out, he was doing more like books that were sort of off to the side, like exiles mm-hmm. and black bolt um, or like that Quicksilver uh, mini. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And now uh, like he has miles, he has Kamala, he has um, what else is he writing? I feel like he's writing a bunch more books for Marvel but um, I think still just exiles, but it's about to end, so he might be getting something okay. else. But yeah, so he these are characters who are more uh, at least okay. Thinking about the Miles issue and just what you just said uh, about what he said about Kamala being more into the Marvel universe, like I could see Marvel editorial sort of using him. Uh, to give an independent voice to these characters who are going to be more involved. Um, and I, that's a very different type of book than what Miss Marvel has been, uh, which Miss Marvel has been really off in its own corner. 
um, since it started. Mm. And yeah, every now and then it'll, like you said, cross over with Civil War II. But even that storyline, it was really, really focused around her. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I could see it. Yeah, I could see it being sort of more of a hero book. And I just, I hope that it doesn't lose any of what made the book so special up until this point. Like I, and this is sort of a fear that I have uh, with books because this tends to happen. Um, the original creators on a book, or at least like the original creators of a successful relaunch, um, they tend to have like a very unique voice. And then once a new creator comes on, it tends to become more just another hero book. And I really hope that doesn't happen here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like I, uh, cause Kamala still, she's still, you know, in champions, like she's still doing things in the world that are more connected to everything going on in the Marvel universe. And so uh, hopefully this, yeah, like you said, this book still retains its focus on, on Jersey city, on Jersey city, on just like the, the people in that, in that community. Um, and, and you're right. Uh, the, the thing went, but you, that you just said about creators having a distinct feel about things. It's so interesting because the day that um, the news broke that Ahmed was going to be writing this book, he tweeted out something along the lines of what are is like, um, he's like young, he's like women and, and young women. Like, what are the things that you hate the most about how men write uh uh, teenage girl characters and people gave him a lot of shit for it because they're like dude like you could have you could have waited a second before you asked us how to do your job which is not i think what he what he meant it was just like a, okay now that you all know that i'm doing this thing um how can i do better how can i make the voice of this character a little bit more authentic and not do things that are just horrible i, I didn't um, even realize there was a yeah, backlash against that and the backlash is stupid <laughs> that's all i gotta <laughs> say yeah he I mean, it was a it was a poorly timed poorly timed tweet, and it that. was kind of like if I don't think it was. Poorly I think taken timed. out of context, it could be kind of funny. I don't know, but it's he it clearly just, did it, it was, with the best of intentions. Like, hey, everyone, I don't want to yeah. get this wrong because it's clearly a big deal to you all. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like that's I think that's what he meant. But people were just like, brah, like you don't no no like don't ask me how to yeah anyway. It was yeah yeah obviously with the best of intentions it was funny though some of the tweets some of the reaction tweets were funny clearly i spent too much time on twitter <laughs> um that's really the takeaway here um cool well uh moving right along then we got the at an in um in celebration still of marvel's uh, 80th anniversary next year um they are launching a six-issue miniseries called Spider-Man Life Story, written by Chip Zdarsky, who's also doing covers for the book, and then illustrated by Mark Bagley, who has done a ton of spider work. It starts in March, and it's basically the question of what if Peter Parker aged in real time? So uh, Zdarsky said this is something that he's been trying to pitch to Marvel ever since he got there. Um, and it's going to look at Peter Parker through the decades, uh, and, and look at him if, if the Marvel universe had had the, the real world events of, of our world. So the first issue takes place in the sixties, um, right before, or like in the midst of, of the war in Vietnam and Peter's going to have to make Peter and Spider-Man going to have to make some decisions about, about Vietnam and about what all that means. So, um, Nick, what do you what do you think about Zdarsky doing this this interesting project and 
Yeah. I like it. (laughs) 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 I I feel like that's my reaction to every piece of news. I think it's cool. um, Or I just don't care. (laughs) <laughs> um but in this case it's really one it's cool mm-hmm. yeah his uh his yeah. other yeah. spider-man run uh peter parker spectacular spider-man uh i read the first like half of that run um and i liked it mm-hmm. uh wasn't one of my favorite things um but i feel like chip starsky as a writer tends to do better in like when he has a set idea of like how he's going to structure something. And I feel like in this spectacular Spider-Man book, he was uh, sort of trying to fill up arcs uh, just to, you know, extend his storylines. And sometimes I felt like the individual issues suffered for it, but I like that this is a six issue thing. And I think that's going to benefit his writing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is interesting. And cause, cause you and, and Jess both thought that, that his last issue that he wrote and illustrated was like one no. of the best, Mar- one of, one of the better things that Marvel's worked on or Jess really, really liked yeah, it. Yeah. That was just her. I haven't read it. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, those are spoilers for later in the episode. Maybe I'll cut this part. This is how the sausage <laughs> gets made folks very poorly. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a really really interesting and cool concept. I think uh, along the lines of you know Marvel just continuing to do fun things for their uh, for their 80th anniversary, um, like all the power all the power to them. This sounds like a really cool idea. I just it didn't hit me until I was getting ready for this episode that like oh we're gonna get a you know an issue in the 60s and then in the 70s and the 80s and 90s. Uh, and then the aughts and then like and then now and that's six issues that's six decades um and there's a lot of stuff that's happened in the united states and in the world in that time and so it'll be interesting to see you know how serious and how funny you know zadarsky um you know blurs the line with all this stuff and i do think you're right like i we talked a lot about the the first part of zadarsky's run on marvel two and one um way way back in january uh, and the first arc of that book where um, it was him and Jim Chung and Valeria Skeety uh, was really, really good and wonderful. And then as soon as it kind of got announced that the Fantastic Four were coming back, the book sort of like derailed a little bit. And some of that might have been sort of editorial kind of whatever stuff, because we did know that that the Fantastic Four were were coming back. But I think that you're right. Like some of his Marvel work has been like the middle stuff has been kind of wonky. But I think I think overall he he does really, really good work. And I'm excited to see what he does, like what he does here in something that's um, separate and planned and just seems like it's going to be very celebratory and a lot of fun. It makes me wonder if we're going to get more fun projects like this in 2019 since Marvel's doing their whole 80th celebration. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I could see that. I, yeah, it seems like Zdarsky, like this is something that's uniquely him, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I wonder if there are other like really creator driven pro- projects that uh, Marvel is just going all in on because of the 80th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Well, because we're got because we're getting the Marvel Knights stuff this year, 
And then we already know because we're getting the like the Marvel Comics Presents stuff next year. It's like the year long mm-hmm. sort of anthology thing. Yeah, but all we of, know that we're getting some fun stuff. All of those are a lot more editorially driven, I'd say, because it's like they're yeah. saying, okay, yeah. here's these past profit properties. Now, like they're just assigning random people to it. Whereas this is like Zdarsky straight up just wanted to do this and he asked Marvel for it. Sure. Yeah. 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 It would be cool to get some more books, books like this or things that are fun and celebratory. And yeah. And like you said, like create our own projects. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah. Might get some more just sort of like prestige format Marvel series. And that would be really, really cool. All right. Well, these next few things, we're going to kind of maybe take a little bit more rapid fire. So, uh, so first we got the announcement of Domino hotshots. Um, written by Gail Simone, illustrated by David Baldion. This is uh, the continuation of, of the Domino book that Simone and Baldion have been doing. Hot Shots is this team that, uh, continuing some of the team aspects from from that book, it's this team of of um, of all, all women Marvel characters. Um, so starting in March, it's a five-issue miniseries. It looks to be replacing Domino, which it seems like has been canceled. Um, but the team is Domino, Outlaw, and Diamondback, who I think are all people that have shown up in that book. And then they're adding black widow and white Fox to the, to the book, to the title and hijinks will ensue. Um, Nick, what do you think about, about, uh, about the hot shots? So Gail Simone and Domino aren't exactly my thing. Uh, not like my favorite. Um, but I do think it's cool that, uh, the book, because I thought it was originally supposed to be a mini, like five issues, and then now I guess it's closer to 12 issues, I'm guessing, because that's where all Marvel books end now. And uh, now it's continuing on in this way. Uh, so I like when that gets to happen, when even though you know, like Marvel wants to end a series, they're still letting it continue on in some other format. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's... I think this is really interesting. Um, I did. I think at one point that we did think that the Domino book was going to be a mini series, and um, but it, it seems like that it's been popular enough and good enough that Marvel's letting Gail Simone do a lot of other fun things. And she had she had said again on Twitter because I spent too much time there um, that this was one of the best and most exciting things that she's gotten to write. And and people have made the comparison that this is kind of like Marvel's Birds of Prey, which I think is still the thing that most people associate Gail Simone with for the most part. So, yeah. Yeah. And moving on. So our next news item that was announced uh, this month is a, a continuation of the cosmic ghost writer stuff, sort of. So it's, a new six issue miniseries that starts in March called cosmic ghost rider destroys Marvel history. So in line with the like Punisher destroys Marvel, you know, Marvel, whatever. And all the Deadpool kills, whatever stuff uh, written by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti. And then illustrated by Gerardo Sandoval. Uh, people thought this was going to be sort of this like big, huge event thing. Cause Marvel was putting out these teasers for a day that was like, what really happened to the fantastic four or you know something something what happened with spider-man but um it's a fun miniseries so nick we'll we'll start with you what are your thoughts on 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 this uh this little short miniseries 
So if you know anything about me by now, you probably know that this concept does nothing for me. But Paul Shear, like, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Didn't yeah, expect so to I, see his name show up. I don't know much about Paul Shear. I read like a little bit. He's uh, like a, a comedian and a writer, yeah. right? Or so like, do you know the show NTSF SDSUV? That's too many fucking <laughs> letters. It's it's that's like not a like Adult Swim or something, right? Yeah, it's like a parody of CSI type show um, oh, okay yeah so he created that and he's the main character and like his wife is june diane Raphael, if you know her anyway I yeah I, I love <laughs> them, and i every time that i discover <clears throat> excuse me every time that i discover some sort of new comedy show that i really like usually they are some sort of creative minds behind it okay okay so it's gonna be really funny then it has the potential to be really good yeah okay well that's good to know but maybe Maybe, uh, maybe. Uh, who, do you know who the other Nick Nick Gio Giovanetti? No, do you know that no guy? Idea. Okay. Apparently, apparently they co-wrote a Deadpool annual or something like a couple years ago together. Paul Shear and this guy did. Okay. Yeah, I, I had never seen Paul Shear write any comics before. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, cool. Well, well, folks, it 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 has the potential to be really funny. Is what <laughs> is what I'm hearing. It could be it could be very nice, or it could just kind of be a thing. Um, either way, all right. A couple more things. So, uh, another um, miniseries that Marvel has announced that's coming out in the month of, month of March, a five issue miniseries called "Meet the Scrolls," uh, written by Robbie Thompson, illustrated by Nico Hen- Henrichon. Henrich Henrich. I I thought it was Hencheron. It's Henrichan, Hen, Henrichen, Henrichen, Henrichu. It's one of those names that know. you should just like read in your head, but you never actually know how it's pronounced because you don't have to pronounce it in your head. Yeah, yeah. It's like all the fantasy names and all the novels that you know you read. It's like <laughs> I have my head way that I read it to myself, but the audiobook version is usually way different. I just like recognize um, it by visual, and I don't even try to pronounce it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I see his art, and I'm like, oh, it's that that guy whose last name is like Hen Henchman or something. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's good anyway. Um, so we don't really know a whole lot of stuff other than that it's a mini series that's coming out and starting in March, and has two issues that are coming out in March. Apparently, there's a scroll family, and the dad works for Tony Stark, and the mom works for the government, and hijinks ensue. So I don't like know. A, like a an upbeat comedic division. That's that's kind of what I thought as I as well, as I was reading the description more. It looks yeah, it seems like a like a division kind of thing. Sort of like an offbeat could be funny whatever. Um it makes me wonder though cuz it just kind of seems a little out of the blue and and Thompson and and Henrichen Henrichan Nico um are two of i guess marvel's more high profile higher profile creators so it makes me wonder if there'll be more scroll things coming uh at marvel especially with the scrolls making their big their big marvel cinematic universe debut in march with captain marvel so maybe there'll be some more scroll events coming um to the comics that's the only thing that i could think of mm-hmm. yeah do you have any meet the scrolls thoughts? It's like meet the fuckers, but it's meet the scrolls. Um, I don't know if I can top that. So no. 
<laughs> okay, well, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So one last thing. Um so a our the last uh five issue miniseries that Marvel has announced that's starting in the month of March is another uh Conan book. It's called it's uh Age of Conan. So it's like an origin um comic thing, Age of Conan Belit. That's probably not how you say that either. Um but it's written by Teeny Howard Bellet Bellet Belit Bellet Bellet Be lit Be lit folks Be lit kids makes sense 2019 be lit um <laughs> written by teeny howard illustrated by kate nemchek i do know how to pronounce that because i looked it up it's nemchek and then covers by sana takeda which is probably wrong i didn't look that one up but she's the artist who on monstrous um with marjorie Liu. um so it's an origin uh origin story for be lit uh who is a very prominent uh, female Conan character. I don't really know a lot of Conan things, but um, anyway, Nick, do you have some thoughts on uh, on this this fun fun thing that Marvel's doing? They're really leaning to the Conan stuff now that they have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just every time I'm like more. <laughs> that's my response. Uh, yeah, they got they I got have. a new Conan book launching like they got the the big conan book launching in january and then another one launching in february and then this one in march yeah that's three books (laughs) (laughs) my reaction to this one i don't care yeah yeah i so so i i mean i don't know a lot about conan stuff um but i i i think this is kind of interesting for a few reasons one this is uh teeny howard's first uh more than one issue marvel book so, you know, she did that Captain America annual that we talked about a few months ago that was really good. And she's uh, was one of the people co-writing the Marvel Knights 20th miniseries thing with Donnie Cateson and co. Uh, so this is her first. Um, I mean, it's not an ongoing. It's a miniseries, but her first longer work at Marvel. So that's exciting for her. Uh, this is also Nemechek's first book back at, at Marvel after after Mockingbird with Chelsea Kane and that whole fiasco and stuff. Uh, she's been doing the art on Kane's image book on man eaters. So I don't know what that says about if she's, if they have enough issues of that in the can that they're like planning a break after an arc ends and she's able to do this or what. Um, and it also, I think kind of points to Marvel's kind of doubling down on this whole Conan thing. Like they have the, the, the rights to this character and they're publishing a lot of books. This is going to have one of those, um like first part of one of those novella things in the back like the other conan books are going to have which is kind of interesting uh it's also uh interesting too because marvel revealed that conan's gonna be in the avengers no road home weekly thing that launches in february he's gonna show up the avengers <laughs> are gonna travel. yeah did you not see that no yeah apparently they're gonna travel to the the hyperion age i think that's the what they call the realm or whatever that Conan and them are in. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be part of that event. I don't know. Um, already. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's a thing. Uh, I think cause there was at one point that Conan was like kind of a part of the Marvel universe or whatever, or like, cause Marvel had, had the rights to the character, I guess Mm -hmm. a long time ago. Yeah. I think in the eighties. Hmm. Okay, well, that's all the news I got, folks. That's it. I um, 
So uh, while we were talking, I came up with an idea of how I can improve my um, my reactions. So look for that <laughs> next episode, everyone. Oh, uh, Nick's gonna Nick's gonna be more more joyful, say, more I jolly. What it is next oh, no, episode? It's something even better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was gonna say you should go see Mary Poppins because I just I I saw that earlier earlier today, and now I'm very I'm very happy, feel very joyful. You should all go see Mary Poppins. You sound like happy. I am I I am the happiest that I have been in all of 2018. I have so much joy in my life. I want to share it with all of you lovely people. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Fuck it. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some books that Marvel published in December. And it's going to be lit. See you then. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3Cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, bad to end Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***? And an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us and we're back we're gonna be taking a look at uh three three books two one that marvel put out at the end of november that we weren't able to cover at the end of november and the two that marvel put out in the month of december uh december was kind of a a bit of a wrap-up and also like a launching point surprisingly for some some uh important books over at marvel we talked about the new miles morales ongoing book last episode when we talked a little bit about spider-verse so if you haven't listened to that bonus episode do check it out uh marvel also published their the best defense miniseries which was a series of five one shots that uh featuring the original defenders so dr strange silver surfer hulk and um and namor and they started the Killmonger miniseries. Winter Soldier is getting a new book. Uh, Superior Spider-Man also started because Spider-Geddon ended this month. And then Infinity Wars also wrapped up this month. So a lot of, lot of uh, mini events wrapping up as Marvel prepares for big things in January uh, to co- coincide with their the beginning of their year-long 80th anniversary celebration. But with that, we're going to talk first about Ironheart number one, which came out in, at the the last Wednesday in November. Then we're going to transition to the Fantastic Four uh, wedding issue, Fantastic Four number five, which is also the 650th issue in their legacy numbering, and then talk about the new X-Force number one. Um, so Ironheart. Ironheart numero uno. So written by uh, Eve L. Ewing. First time comic book writer here, professor at the University of Chicago, and then also poet, poet sociologist, and then illustrated by Kevin Labranda and Luciano uh, Vecchio, 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 probably Vecchio. I think Vecchio. Uh, so Nick, we'll start with you. What were your uh, initial thoughts about um, about the the Riri Williams Ironheart solo? Ironheart title debut. I was going to say solo debut, but she was in the Iron Man book, but her solo name title debut thing that was mm-hmm. wonky. Whatever. Um, it's good. 
It's good. It's not my favorite book. I think um, <clears throat> it did the same thing that a lot of like books that are like starring characters who are sort of unknown in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it did the same thing that those sorts of books do in their first issue. And uh, in the sense that it really tried to establish like, this is who she is. This is what her world is like. And uh, it, it did a lot towards trying to help that as opposed to really get the story, story going. And I felt like the story was pretty like ordinary superhero story. Um, the last 10 pages were probably my favorite part uh, just because it got into some actual like one-on-one -on -one personal dialogue between her and a friend. Uh, and I mean, I feel like that's where you really get to see where the character is interesting, their own person. Uh, so I really appreciated that. Um, but overall, I felt like it was interesting to me how similar it was to that uh, first issue of the Dan Slot Iron Man that we just started reading a few months ago. Um, oh, how so? What I didn't even I didn't put that one together. What What do you think? What how, What were the parallels that you that you saw? So the the first half of the issue, um, how the whole thing was. Uh, just how it was really focused on the like futurism and the technology and using that to fight this sort of like ridiculous superhero, which it's all pretty basic stuff. But at the same time, I feel like those are also things that are pretty specific to both Iron Man and this character. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And just the overall tone of the issue, it felt like just a, a teen version of that book. Mm -hmm. in a good interesting. way interesting yeah 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 that is interesting i don't uh, i don't know that i i don't know that i made that connection but i think some of the um things that i found just a little bit odd with with that first issue that i'm remembering now were some of the things that i found a little bit odd with with this first issue name namely so so okay so first and foremost i i enjoyed it i really enjoyed it um i thought it was a great I thought it was a great debut issue. Um, I think that I think that Ewing nails uh, who Riri, Riri is as a person and as a character, and what it means to be a Chicagoan and what it means to um, just to inhabit a lot of different mindsets that that Brian Michael Bendis and that Jim Zub just or or Mark Wade just like are not able to do as straight white dudes, um, and. And I thought, like, I think that she nails the voice of the character. I think I'm remembering from that first Dan Slott Iron Man issue that there was a lot of there was a lot of cool stuff happening, and that it was really strong in some parts and and less strong in others. Like, it was very just like drawn out and sort of um, uh, decompressed is maybe the wrong word, but just like like even just sort of like wonky. Like the dialogue was just like wonky at parts, and it just like didn't it didn't flow in like a in sort of like a straight straight line or whatever. Like the like, and I think that both of them, this is the main thing I think I was trying to say, both of them didn't benefit from being oversized issues. Uh, so like, I think what you were saying that the last 10 pages where um, like Riri is talking to, uh, to her friend um, in Chicago that uh, her mother said it would be nice if, if he gave her a call because she's, she's very like, cause she secludes herself and she kind of has that, that whole genius nobody nobody understands me and i don't really want to be around anybody sort of vibe which i think is something that that bendis didn't pick on pick up on as much but i think that ewing really nails 
in the in the characterization um but the whole like fight scene with with clash who is somebody that slot used a lot in his spidey run um just felt really really drawn out and really just kind of just kind of like black like like bleh sort of like boring and and sort of like the middle of it like it just it felt really sort of like anticlimactic like the beginning of the comic was really interesting and really funny with all the lab stuff and then we transitioned into this fight which just was probably like four or five pages longer than it needed to be and then we go back to the lab stuff which was the which was the interest the other like the interesting part where the interesting parts of this issue at least in my opinion were happening and were really really cool yeah that superhero part was definitely very like run-of-the-mill like just average like here is the villain. They are doing this thing with these people and the hero has to fight them. Uh, they have to figure a way out of it and they do. And there were no like real interesting plot mechanics to make it better. Uh, however, I thought that the situation was dealt with in a pretty specific, like a way that was pretty specific to this character. And I did appreciate that. Um, and by that, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, how like she used her suit I really liked when she uh, like basically came up with the algorithm. It's really simple, but it's also something that like like a mind like hers would think of really easily that others might not, where she said like pick up any wireless signals from the last two days or no, from the last four hours and filter out any ones that were there in the last two days and it got it narrowed down to just the people who had just arrived. And I thought that was like, that's perfect. (laughs) That's yeah. That's, that's just something that a character like this would think of immediately. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think it, it, it coincides, it coincides too. the way that she, she fought that battle um, was really, really interesting and really cool. Like, yeah, like you were, you were saying with the, with the algorithm and just the, the the tactics that she used like she didn't she, she didn't go you know like guns a blazing like the avengers would have gone in and just like tried to beat the shit out of the out of that guy um she like used all her all her intelligence like all the like tools that she like had at her disposal um and it coincides some with the the line when the people are asking her questions in the lab uh, in the first part of the issue where the one of the diplomats asks her about Ironheart being a weapon, and she says Ironheart is not a weapon. Ironheart is an engineer who uses many tools, including force, sometimes. But I try to avoid that. Uh, and I just thought that the, the way that she fought that battle, the way that she prolonged it, the way that she moved all the the diplomats and got them out of the way before she dealt with um, like cla- like clash head on. I just thought the the way that she went through it was really really well, even though I felt like it went on for a couple more pages than maybe it needed to. So yeah, so I, I mm-hmm. totally agree with you. So what is uh what is your connection, I guess, to Eve Ewing? Like she teaches at your school. Do you actually know her at all? No, I haven't. Um, I have friends that have taken that have taken classes at with her. So she teaches. Um, at U Chicago at the, at SSA. So the school of um, social service administration. So people who want to do some type of like nonprofit work or whatever. Um, So she's, she's a sociologist. She just published an academic book that actually came out um, a couple of months ago about the Chicago public school system and about uh, the history of the Chicago public school system. And um, 
and just and uh like the my like uh, anyway i haven't read it it's called ghosts in the schoolyard but i i know people have started reading it and said it's really really good and then i have other friends who have read uh her first poetry book so i have a a uh, some people that really really like her poetry and so she wrote a um, she published a, a book of, of poetry called electric arches and i went and saw her um so the so chicago every year in the fall has a humanities festival and i went and saw eve ewing and some other people um on a panel i guess this was the beginning of november and they were reflecting on the legacy of of ida b wells who was the one of the the first um black female reporters in at the turn of the um, 19th, 20th century. And, and she reporting out, reported on a lot of lynchings and in the South and exposed a lot of, um, a lot of horrific and violent things um, that were committed against black people in, in the Jim Crow South and stuff. Um, so I don't know her, but I go to school near and around her and, and know people who are fans, who are really good fans, big fans of her work and and stuff. So she's a name that I hear people talk about. So, and okay. I follow her on Twitter because we've already established that I'm on the internet too much. <laughs> um, cool. But I like I because there there are other really cool people that you know that teach at the University of Chicago. Like I took a a history class. I think I maybe told you this with. Um, do you know who to, who Ada Palmer is? No, she's a. Well, she's a historian first, but she's a um, uh, a science fiction uh, author. Her she's in the midst of writing uh, the the last book in this group of four books that she the series of four books that she wrote comes out next year. Um, but the the first the it was called the 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 Terra Ignota series. But the first book got nominated for the Hugo back in twenty seventeen. Cool. Um, so plug for that. It was really good. <laughs> Um, but so no, I don't, I don't know if viewing, but I, yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. That's, that was a longer explanation. I didn't know, uh, that she was a sociologist. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's interesting. And that probably makes more sense to like now why I found the last third of the comic when she was just having those sorts of conversations with her friends or with her friend. Um, like why, why that was a lot more interesting because she's much more uh she's much more involved in the world of sociology in the way that people are like the subtle ways of people interacting with each other is that sociology am i getting that wrong <laughs> no i'm yeah, i always confuse I, that in anthropology i think yeah, anthropology I, I, is like the history of people's yeah, the yeah anthropology is the study of peoples, and more more like ancient, like more like groups of peoples, mm-hmm. um, I guess, and more like different different cultures, and like soci- I think sociologists more are enmeshed in like the cultures that they're a part of, and they study they study like societies and the way that societies form and the way that societies do different things, and so I think they focus more on like um, yeah like human like the human interaction stuff and. Uh, like laws and how people group themselves and what like the politics and like what people are saying about one another. Um, okay. And then anthropologists focus more on like the cultural aspects. So just like what I think like more like artistic things and more sort of religious stuff. Although all I think all of this is sort of really abstract and they all, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and are enmeshed and interwoven and 
okay. interdisciplinary and whatever. But so, yeah. So I guess that that yeah, that just feeds my point that like her being like very much into these sociological ideas and concerns. Uh, it really comes through her just writing, people interacting, just everyday sorts of dialogue. Um, and even like I really like there was one page where it's just them like throughout the rest like throughout the day or I guess over the course of an hour or two. Um Yeah, over the course through, of this this like evening. Yeah, they just go through all of these like random mostly pop culture topics and mm-hmm. yeah, that that all just felt very natural and very real to me. Um yeah, and showing that it's not like a life isn't all worrying about like really deep subjects it's like sometimes or always uh it's always this sort of back and forth between like really important things and really trivial things and usually they're intertwined and on various levels of each other um but all of that is to say (laughs) uh that's definitely the parts where she did best at writing whereas the ordinary superhero stuff there really was just something uh missing in terms of just a, for lack of a better term, a punch to the writing there. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with I agree with that, and I think I think too like uh, all yeah all the all the dialogue in the back half of the book just felt it felt very natural. Like you were saying, it felt it it felt like two teenagers talking to one another and staying up late into the evening and just like going back and forth about random yeah random pop culture stuff and some of the more superhero elements they weren't bad um it was just a lot of them it was just very standard uh the thing about that that was really really interesting about the whole scene with all the scenes with clash is that he kept talking about trying to audition basically or work being trying to work for like this the 10 rings group and i think to my knowledge that's not a group that's ever shown up in the comics but that was the terrorist group from Iron Man 3. Oh, the one that was like led by the Mandarin? Yeah. It was like not actually the Mandarin or whatever. It was not actually the Mandarin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I th- I think that's right because cause in the comics like the Mandarin has 10 like actually has 10 rings and they do magic-y things or whatever. Um but the movie people decided to to take it in a more realistic way or whatever but i th- yeah i i think to my knowledge there's not a group in in the comic universe called the ten rings so it'll be interesting to see according to the uh, what they're able to build out from there Earth. with, with that comic. what can you hear me yeah okay sorry i think i lost you there um there is one on earth one nine 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 oh wait oh that is the movie universe. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, I do know things. I didn't know uh, that the movie universe had a designation. Oh, that is interesting. Maybe <laughs> Yeah, why do we have why does it have a why would it need I don't know. I don't know. It's one and huh. then five nines. It's a lot of nines. Nine too nine, many nine nines. Too many nines. <laughs> Brooklyn nine nine. That's three more nines. Um, three that was a bad joke two whatever it's late <laughs> Numbers. math is stupid um what do you think about about the art in the book about 
uh, Labranda and Luciano Vecchio's art, which I think Vecchio's going to be the main artist from here on out. Okay. I didn't know that there were two artists. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't tell either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I felt like it was all very, uh, what we, we've been saying is the Marvel house style. It's like sort of video game ish, like a little manga inspired and the coloring Mm -hmm. is very, uh, yeah, like, like video game ish. I don't, it's hard to describe but I feel like a lot of Marvel comics look like this now. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. It feels, it feels just kind of in the same vein of, of, of all the, the people who have come before it feels, and it feels very following after Stefano Caselli's, uh, run with Bendis on, um, invincible Iron Man where he was drawn Riri. It, 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 it fits in that similar vein. Mm-hmm. Have so, yeah. you seen, uh, Luciano Vecchio's, uh, like he did these two different pieces that connect, and it's like all the LGBT heroes in DC, and then all of them in Marvel. Oh, that was that was this that was this artist. Yeah, that's this guy. It looks like a different oh, artist. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, I think those are great pieces, and um, mm-hmm. I was surprised that this was the same guy. Yeah, that is interesting. Cause it yeah it it doesn't look like that it, that's not the first thing that I thought of when, um, when I was reading this it looks like and the so on the the credit page it looks like there was somebody else who did layouts here so maybe okay um because I think what happened so because Labranda was was announced as the series artist and the comic was supposed to come out in the beginning of November and then it was delayed and then it added Vecchio. And then the second issue is not coming out in December. It's coming out in the middle of January. And Vecchio is the sole artist, not okay. Libranda. So I guess there might have been some behind the scenes stuff, hmm. maybe. But it, yeah, it all looks very seamless. It looks there. You can't yeah. tell where one artist picked up and whatever. And I wonder how much of that is due to the coloring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The coloring is very bright. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I mean, which makes sense because her, because Riri's suit is pink, which is interesting. I don't know how I feel about the, the pink suit. Um, I think that's a recent, that's a recent change they in from, from champions mm-hmm. from the champion series. Cause she got, uh, an, an infinity countdown Thanos destroyed Riri's suit and then she built another one and she built this one and she wanted it to look less Iron Manny. Okay. Yeah. I, I forgot that her suit used to be red. I read the only thing that I've read with Riri in it before was the generations issue. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, this is good. I think it's going to be, I think again, like we were saying with the miles stuff, there's really nowhere to go, but up like this is a, a solid debut. Yeah. I'm not going to immediately follow, but if I hear great things about it once the first arc is out in trade, I will pick it mm. up. Alrighty. Alrighty. Uh, were you ready to move on? Yep. Okay, cool. Well, we are transitioning to a wallop of an issue, all 75 pages. <laughs> um so we'll be talking about the about Fantastic Four number five, which in legacy numbering is 650. Uh, it is the Ben Grimm, uh, Alicia Masters wedding issue. So written by Dan Slott, 
series writer Dan Slott. And then the main story is uh, drawn by Aaron Cooter, who is uh, drawing this second arc of the book. And I guess uh, him and Sarah Bacalli were going to be trading off, I would assume. Uh, and then there are smaller vignette stories. Uh, uh, d- the first one drawn by Mike Allred and then and colored by Laura Allred. And then the second one uh, drawn and colored by Adam Hughes. So how do we want to tackle this? You want to, you can start with your overall thoughts. Okay. Um, well, so, so I, I reread, um, issues one through four of this book, um, because we talked about the first issue and I think that my overall reaction was kind of, this is, it's the first issue was weird because they did the fantastic four didn't actually come back in the first issue. And then the next few issues were um, like the family kind of getting back together. And it was, uh, it's just like, it, it all feels, it just still feels kind of odd to me. Uh, and I haven't been able to pinpoint it really. I think my, my overall um, sort of takeaway from this issue is that it was really, really long. <laughs> um interesting and yeah and and too i mean not like too long i'm maybe too long i mean it's an anniversary issue so i guess it's fine marvel's been doing this thing recently where they've had all these really really long issues and they'll have like these little segments and they'll go back to the main story and then like they'll have segments and they've done that because they've had a lot of anniversary issues lately so it's just been a lot of those are always the issues that we end up talking about (laughs) and i always end up because usually kevin like for listeners usually kevin will tell me like the issues that he wants us to read and then like the day of that we're recording i'll pull them up and i'll be like kevin this is another 50 page issue <laughs> it's my fault yeah yeah it's all Kevin's now yeah fault. <laughs> it's really all my fault yeah i i don't know it was it was good it was a good it was a good issue and i and it was a happy issue and all of like Dan Slott stuff has been very, very upbeat, uh, which is a little bit different from a lot of his, at least a lot of his Spider-Man stuff. But it, it just is like between this and the Tony Stark, the Iron Man series, it uh, maybe slow is the is like a right is like a right adjective here. Like they both feel like books that Dan Slott is going to be writing for the next eight or 10 years like he did with Spider-Man. And so because of that, they're not in a hurry to go anywhere. They're not really in a hurry to take off and go anywhere. The Spider-Man's book has been like a series of sort of like episodic things. And this, um, it wasn't episodic. Like it had a sort of like a three, like, like three, four issues sort of like structure where like it went big and, and it's still, it's keeping up with all the, all the bigness here. I don't know. It was fun. It was playful. It was really, really long. Um, I enjoyed a lot of it. I also don't have a lot of fantastic four background stuff. And I think, um, because the only fantastic four, I mean, cause I, I have been wanting to read the, the Hickman fantastic four stuff. And, and I think you had said you had started that and I've read secret wars. And I think this probably compared to that, is just like probably totally very different where it's just like, this is very like familial and very happy. 
and uh, like Dan Slott wrote all of the like future foundation characters sort of off in issue, like the issue before this so that they're kind of gone. So now he's kind of, he's back to um, like the core, you know, like the actual fantastic four and then like um, uh, Valeria and, and, and Franklin. Um, but I don't know. I'm happy they got married. I'm happy with that. And there were a lot of pages in this book that made me laugh. Like the page where, um, uh, they're at the bachelorette party and Medusa's tipping the stripper with her hair. Um, that was really, really fun. And then there's all, there's a lot of things that about this that are really fun. It just, it, it felt like to me it went on forever, but I don't know if, I don't know if you also feel that way or not. I don't know. So this issue, um, yeah, I opened it and I was like 72 pages. I think it was only 60, like once you remove ads and stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. Once I got past that and I started reading it, and I feel like this is my reaction every time I read a Dan Slott comic, I'm just like, this dude knows how to tell a story. Like, this dude knows how to plot a story, how to structure a story, how to get down with who the characters are deep down and just give you something that has some nice, warm emotion to it. And basically, this is like sort of everything that I want from a comic. Oh wow, that's high praise. Yeah, so I'm I'm surprised that you didn't like it um, as much as I, I did. At least, yeah, I did not like it. I mm. yeah, I I, I I get what you were saying though. It's just yeah, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't what I was. I guess it wasn't what I was expecting, and maybe and and maybe part of this is is the fault of of most of the comics that I read. Feel like they're like. It's like uh, we had we had two different two different big comic book high profile comic book weddings um, this last summer. We had the Batman Catwoman wedding that didn't happen, and then the the Kitty Colossus wedding that also didn't happen. This is not a a, a, a me saying anything about those not happening. Um, the Batman wedding, there was there was a lead. I mean, so he he asked Catwoman to marry him in issue twenty four. They didn't get married until issue, or the wedding didn't happen until issue 50. There was like a three or four issue arc right before the wedding. And then there was those five one shots before we got to the wedding. And, and it was, it was just like, so it was so drawn out. And then I think the, the X-Men wedding, while not, not that drawn out, I think there was, you know, um, like a five issue arc before like that led up to the wedding or whatever. And then there was the wedding issue. Um, that still like covered a lot of sort of like emotional ground. And I guess I was just surprised that slot was able to do all of that in 60 pages. Whereas I have seen this in the last year take, I mean, over the course of, I mean, still 60, so 60 pages is like a three issue arc or whatever in a modern and a regular comic because a regular comic is like 20 something pages, 20 ish pages. Um, and this issue sort of broke down into that. Like the, the wedding story itself was, you could see as the 20 pages that were drawn by, uh, I forget. Cooter. Who, yeah, Aaron Cooter. And uh, yeah, then there was like the approximately 20 pages of the Mike Allred story about uh, Ben and Sue. And then there was the 20 pages about the Bachelor and Bachelorette parties with Adam Hughes art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I th- It was, in- it was just... <sighs> interesting might still be the best word to to describe it i didn't hate it like i really didn't hate it i i i liked 
I liked a lot of it. It's just so it's just so interesting because it seems like this and and the Iron Man book and some of the other fresh start stuff that Marvel's doing um, are just really antithetical to the rest of what other comic stuff is is also doing. And I haven't read enough um, sort of like episodic comic book stories like this because most of the comics that I've read in the last few years have been sort of like the decompressed sort of like tell it over the course of an arc and not they're like the one shot stories are like specially special one shotty stories or like they're special one shot stories that lead into like have some sort of like metaphoric meaning or whatever that go with the rest of the arc or whatever. They're not just like one off stories that are like really beautiful, good stories. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. Like I think that uh, slot knows how to tell us a story. There wasn't, there might have been a couple times in the in the middle of this, maybe more so in the in the Sue Ben dance stuff, where I was like, it got a little dense in the middle. But you're right, like this is well, like well plotted out, well thought out. Um, I think the Adam Hughes part and the and the actual wedding part of the the stronger parts of the of the issue, in in my opinion. But he he doesn't waste these sixty pages. Like there are good things that are happening over. Like it's not just the same thing happening over and over again, or somebody trying to solve a problem. Like it's you know, like the, the the bachelor and the bachelorette parties, like Johnny has stuff planned out that they're moving to and moving from. And then um, like the wedding stuff is moves along sort of in a good, like at a good pace. And then, and then Galactus shows up, but they still do the wedding because mm-hmm. reads, reads a dick, but he <laughs> loves people. Um, so that, that whole thing was so great. I thought, and it was, Again, a, a matter of not a matter of, but an example of how slot like uses really simple and well used storytelling techniques uh, just to make things more interesting than they could be. Like in a lot of stories, I feel like a lot of stories that have this sort of structure where you have uh, like individual stories com- uh, like combined into one issue, and then there's a framing mm-hmm. narrative usually the framing narrative is throwaway and that ends up making a lot of the individual stories feel throwaway as well. And this Mm. didn't feel like that. This felt like all of it was just one huge thing, um, which was cool. And yeah, so the framing story, it kept on going back to uh, the, this idea of Reed, like, does he care? And I think that's a really, really interesting and unique characterization um, for a character. And it's very much part of his character of this man mm-hmm. who is like sort of so smart that he uh, he sort of loses touch with ordinary people. But at the same time, like he genuinely does love his friends and family and uh, he shows it just in unique ways. So that kept on coming back how like, oh, Reed's not here for this. Oh, he's, you know, off in his lap doing something for this. And then by the end of the story, you realize like what he was doing the whole time. And it was done out of love to give his best friend, you know, the perfect wedding. Um, mm-hmm. And that sort of thing, uh, like throughout the framing story and the two uh, side adventures, um in all of that, Ben kept on saying, like, no superheroes at the wedding, and or not in the first one, but in the second one, uh, no superheroes at the wedding, and, like, I don't want any... I forget the word that he used, but, like, no hijinks or something like that. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah, and then no, of course no, that, no shenanigans, no, no shenanigans, supers, yeah. no <laughs> and of course that ends up coming back in the end, and it like works together in the other plot of Reed and his whole thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just felt like it all it all came together really well. Um, that uh, that first story was really warm and in a way that like it didn't shy away from the idea that these are people who have known each other for a very long time. And so they have some memories that they might not want to remember. And like, there were some instances of like Sue trying to do the best thing. And, you know, it ended up being not what was best for Ben. And that was a really great story because it was sort of old school in the sense that like woman is trying to set up her friend with this woman and it ends in a very i thought like progressive way uh that was also like really i keep using this word but warm in that all of a sudden ben like stands up and says like like says how he knows like what alicia wants and like it it sort of gave both of them closure and also like a way to move forward with everything that had been going on and there's i feel like i'm making like multiple points and they're getting really muddled but yeah i think slot is a good writer for not making it feel muddled (laughs) and combining all of these different just emotional beats and story beats and just really making it tight and then yeah and yeah and the sorry one more thing the like the bachelor party it was like fun throughout but then those last like two pages of like him and uh and like ben and johnny uh just talking and like at the end of the night like ben is like no this like us two talking just now that was the best part of the night um because like relatable (laughs) yeah 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 I it is it is very clear to me reading this that Slot absolutely um knows who these characters are and knows who he thinks that these characters are and and I don't really know who these like who who the Fantastic Four are I guess probably obviously not as well as Dean Slot does um oh, I mean, but I, I guess I sort yeah. of have an I yeah I guess I sort of have an idea of 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 who they are of like being at the center of things and and I guess, I guess too, this is, so this is interesting, I guess, going back to your point of this is everything that I want in a superhero comic. Um, Cause this too, in, in the Iron Man book, and maybe, maybe this is, this might just mean like, they both feel like important books, but they don't, I, neither of them feel like they're moving sort of like the overarching arc of the Marvel universe forward any. Mm-hmm. And that's um, something that you very much care about, but that I don't, <laughs> like yeah, i'd rather read yeah. stuff that moves forward the characters themselves or at least reveals things about them to you uh that just feels mm-hmm. satisfying whether or not it's like quote-unquote important or not right 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 and this is important like obviously you know ben and like ben and alicia get married and that's something that um sh- has been coming for you know for for years like for decades um and and that's and that's really really important and the fact that they talk about you know that johnny's afraid that he's going to end up alone and that there's you know the idea that 
like maybe Sue and Ben almost ended up together, but then like she was trying to set him up and, and make him happy. And he was like, no, like she's not like Alicia's not like you. And like Sue's sort of like rethinking parts of her life. Um, and then, and then doom and, and Galactus show up and doom's still sort of on his hero kick. Um, and so that's going to be kind of nuts and cool. Um, yeah, I don't, I think I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm sounding like I really hated this issue and I didn't like, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was very long. I do. I do kind of care about the, what are the books that I have to read to be able to know what's going on in the unit? And like, what is like the driving narrative of the universe? Like that's something that I think about a lot when I read Cape comics, when I read comics in a shared universe. Um, and I don't know that I have to read the, the like either of the books that slots writing right now. Um, but if I were to read either of them, I, I would rather read this one. And it's, it's very, it was very good. It was good for, yeah, it was good. It was good for, <laughs> for all the emotional beats and like the way that, that slot uses these characters and the way that they interact and the way that they wear, they wear their history on their sleeves. Um, is good. I, uh, what did you think about the whole thing with Franklin? And his Which, hair and... oh, and his hair. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that was weird. That was weird too. Cause he's, uh, like, cause the whole last few issues were, they were, you know, cause, um, all the future foundation people were off, like creating universes. Like Franklin was a God. Basically he was like making all these universes. He had all this cosmic power. And then he basically comes back. Like they get back in issue four, like they get back into our, into their universe and their reality. And Franklin's just like, yeah, get, I'm done. Um, kind of. And he's like, I just want to go hang out with Ben and be my own person and not worry about the hero hijinks as much. And, and he dyes his hair really nuts. <laughs> yeah. You gotta I, do what you gotta do. I wasn't expecting, um, him to be old now. <laughs> I've, I've, oh yeah. Di- I haven't read issues two, three or four yet. Definitely going to go back mm-hmm. and do that. But, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting him Valeria to be old um yeah or at least they've gained they've gained uh like five to five to seven years okay that's how long so it was a year in the marvel universe that the future foundation was gone but when they were creating universes it was like five to seven years to them okay he really felt like a teenager (laughs) just in that whole like yeah the whole just the way that he was interacting with his mom and like just the way that he looked even just looked like weird and awkward, like a teen looks like an early kid in their early teens. Valeria honestly looked a little weird too, but I'm not sure if that was like totally on purpose or if that's just Aaron Cooter's style. Yeah. Yeah. There were, poor, I, it's in, it's interesting. Um, I mean like, cause we like, we gushed over Aaron Cooter we were talking about infinity countdown some and like Cooter's a great artist. Um, but like compared to Adam Hughes and, and Mike Allred, I think that his, his sections were the, like were the least pretty out of all of them, even though they had some of the the most interesting panel, like they had better more interesting panel designs, but yeah, um, his actual, his actual like figure design and like, sometimes and this isn't always an issue with him but the telling the emotion through the faces sometimes it can look a little like exaggerated in sort of an uncanny way yeah 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 
Some of and some of his like some of his faces look like some of the smiles they look they're like off putting like in like a like a grotesque kind of way almost mm-hmm. grotesque is maybe too harsh of a word but it's sort of like in that style of like he like the panel where Franklin's got blue hair and he just kind of I like he I can't tell if he like looks <laughs> like constipated or I thought that was the uh, perfect like look for that panel though yeah it's just it's silly but it's it's and it's it's almost un, like not unnatural is maybe the wrong word, but yeah, I know what you mean though. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But his, yeah. his sense of design is still very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Then, what do you think? Oh, go ahead. oh no, I was going to mention the, the Adam Hughes part. Um, how yeah. slot definitely used the fact that he was used like going to be with Adam Hughes to make him draw men. <laughs> Specifically naked men, men. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and yeah, naked men and uh, like women jumping out of a cake and other just sort of like cheesecakey pinupy things, and it's like you got to because mm-hmm. you have Adam Hughes. Well, especially because like Adam Hughes is always drawing women, so like mm-hmm. for once, Slot was like, you can draw some men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I still think the page where. Um, they're describing to Alicia uh, what's going on. <laughs> the stripper that she's like looked up, she's looking up at and she's just like in awe, but she's blind. So she obviously can't see what's happening. And like Sue's telling her uh, yeah. what direction the guy's dick swinging. <laughs> and it's just real exciting. And Medusa's tipping him with her hair. <laughs> I, I still think that's really freaking, uh, I think it's, that's brilliant. Yeah. All right, so so Adam Hughes, I think we said all that we can say <laughs> about yeah. his stuff. He, uh, his sequential work um, always surprises me that it's not bad because, like, I, I feel like most of what he does is uh, like pinupy covers. So yeah. it's they're not like the greatest sequentials in the world, but it surprises me that he like he can still do them pretty well. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, guy knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and it was it's it was fun that that Slot and Allred got to work together again. Um, I totally you can tell forgot that, about that. <laughs> yeah, this is them back together for the first time since Silver Surfer. Um, yeah, Allred's art was a really good pick for this story because, like I was mm-hmm. saying before, it felt sort of old school. Um, yeah, in that yeah. it was mining like the early Lee and Kirby era. Uh, but it also, um, like the actual story at the core of it, of like a woman trying to set her friend up, um, is very like 60s romance comic, 50s, 60s. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, Allred's art is always very nice for that sort of throwback story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt very, felt very retro. Um, it was good. It was good. Yeah. Do you have any, any final wrap up thoughts before we get to our, our last book? Um, definitely going to go back and read the other three issues that I missed. Nice. 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 Yeah. They were, I mean, I will, I'm going to keep reading this book. It is, it is good. It is. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's neither, neither this book or the Tony Stark book or what I expected either of 
slots two new big books to be. And this is funny. I just gotta get over that. I think that we like the two of us had the same reactions to both books. Like I, I had the same reaction to that book as I did with this one. And then you had the same one with that and this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Cause you really liked the first issue of the Tony Stark thing. And I thought it was not great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Oh, well, Oh, well, well, a book that you're not going to go back and read some other things for. <laughs> How did you know? X-Force. Oh, How do you I, know? I, I, I can read your mind. <laughs> I can read your mind. Um, is X-Force number one, the relaunched uh, X-Force title following the end of Extermination, which um, ended last week, uh, both written by Ed Brisson and then X-Force, uh, the main story drawn by Dylan Burnett. And then the b- short backup story uh, drawn by Juan and Ramirez. Um, so you said you didn't finish. You weren't going to finish Extermination, right? No. No, okay. I wasn't. That's what I thought. Um, <laughs> we read the first issue and I was like, all right, never have to read that again. You're like, <laughs> you're like, okay, I don't know who these people are, but some of them are dying and that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I finished, I finished it. Not, not a lot. I thought it was, there was going to be more of that that helped lead into this. But really, the only thing that you needed to know is that young is that kid kid cable sticks around because um, he killed old cable and now he's cable cable. And I think like an issue, it's issue one or two or whatever, when they're trying to find him because he had kidnapped the like oh five, uh, the original five X. He was starting to kidnap the original five X-Men. Um and the the original X-Force people, so all of these, the people in this book, um, want to kill him, basically, because they were all friends with with old 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 sexy Cable, as Jess would call him. Um, that's really about it. And Cyclops comes back at the end of that book. Cyclops is back. He's alive again. I didn't know he was gone. He was dead. Okay. He was very dead. Um, now he's less dead. Was anyway, that at the end of Avengers uh, versus X-Men? Or was that when Professor uh, X died? That's when Professor him? X... He, yes, yes. Scott killed Professor X okay. at, at the end of Avengers vs. X-Men. And then he like basically assumed the Magneto role in the universe because he was like kind of being more Magneto. So he like went and founded a, a school, a separate school, sort of in the mountains and was like let's be more radical and wolverine was like the head of the 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 xavier i think they renamed it the gene gray institute i'm honestly exhausted by that explanation (laughs) okay well i didn't do a very good job just as it um no it's anyway it's just so comics yeah in a bad way yeah cyclops died in in death of x right before inhumans versus x-men because that was sort of the Duh. catalyst for yeah yeah <laughs> obviously um, yeah yeah why would did you not know that what the, the hell man um anyway so <laughs> what did you think about x-force uh let's let's get through this real quick because i don't think that we're gonna have yeah much to say um i read it i was surprised yep. that it was over at the 20 page mark as opposed to the 30 pages because there was a backup story um boom boom i remember from x-men evolution and i thought she was created for that but i guess not um x-force there were some characters that i don't care about it was very violent 
in a way yes. that I don't like. Yeah, overall, I just didn't. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I think the because the original X Force was a was a a nineties creation, yeah, as a Liefeld yeah. creation. It was like as a Liefeld John. the Liefeldiest the Liefeldiest Liefelds pouches and shit things ever. Yeah, yeah and boom because it was it was boom boom cable cannonball domino feral shatterstar and warpath so all of these people and and cable reading this issue felt almost uh i might be speaking out of my ass here but uh it felt almost like reading one of those like early 90s x-men comics like by liefeld um but Mm. i i actually thought that at one point and i thought but it doesn't actually feel like it because the art is good (laughs) the art's not like amazing like it didn't really stick out to me it was more of that sort of marvel house style that we were saying um but it's not uh it's not liefeld art thank yeah oh i thought i thought the art was real was not sort of that house styley whatever stuff really yeah because this is because burnett is one of those guys that um donny cates worked with on the uh other book i think at heavy metal i think they did a book at heavy metal and i'm forgetting the name of it right now um because they did the cosmic ghostwriter stuff together that's just what he was finishing up and i thought that book looked didn't look like the marvel house like this looks like more sort of like um like cartoony like scratchy sort of cartoony um uh, the Juan and Ramirez stuff in the backup title definitely looks like the house title style mm-hmm. stuff. Like I didn't know, I didn't know which artist that was until I got to the, to the credits at the back. I thought it was, Pe- I thought it might be Pepe Larraz who I had just read like the extermination finale with. Um, but no, like I think that Burnett's style is sort of, um, is, is different. It's, it's sort of like the, it's like the new image style. It's like the, like Burnett, like Daniel, like Daniel Warren Johnson, yeah. like those kind of people. I, that style. I'm looking at one uh, panel, and immediately right before you said Daniel Warren Johnson, that's who I thought of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's. I think he's more in that category of of artists. However, you want to describe that, less so than the like what mm-hmm. we were talking about with Ironheart. Okay, I can see that. I think I was again duped by the coloring. Oh yeah. yeah, this might not have been the guy. This might not have been the person that colored him on Cosmic Ghostwriter stuff. So this is Jesus Abertov, is who it says. Mm-hmm. Let me look and see who colored Cosmic Ghostwriter. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see what you mean now. Completely. It definitely looks like an image book, like New Age image, mm-hmm. which is interesting because X Force. Uh. X-Force, like, Liefeld left the title, and then I'm pretty sure he went right from X-Force into Youngblood, which was his first... I think that's uh, right. Yeah, his first Image title. Mm-hmm. And so basically, mm-hmm. like, Image was founded on the X-Force... Like, Extreme Studios was founded based on that X-Force style. And then now, like, the new X-Force is, like taking visual cues from the current image style that's funny mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so 
trusty Wikipedia, uh, Liefeld created um, X-Force in, in 89. And then they found and then it left, you know, to co-found Image in 92. So, okay. yeah, this was what he was doing. Yeah, right before right before he did Youngblood stuff. Because um, X-Force was the book that Deadpool was created in. Yes. Yeah. Not. I think so. He was in issue like 99 of something. Of the New Mutants. New Mutants. And then was in. Okay. And then he moved over to X-Force. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because he. Uh, New Mutants ended with issue 100. And then it was relaunched as X-Force. According to the internet. Gotcha. Thanks, internet. Um, yeah. So looking, okay. So looking at the cosmic ghostwriter stuff, it is a different colorist because okay. I did think the, the coloring work on this book was, uh, a little, cause I read the cosmic ghostwriter stuff and, and enjoyed it a lot. The coloring, I mean, the, and the coloring on that was different because it was, uh, obviously it was comics in space and shit. And mm-hmm. this is, this is like Marvel's expendables. I'm going through um, so. like, the whole issue right now and just trying to imagine it with a different colorist. And I like, I'm seeing it in a whole different way now. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just, it seems like really dark, like more, um, like more shadowy points that I, I guess that it could have been maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It was like the art was really, I, I thought like the art stuff was a lot better than the actual story beats like this just kind of seems like there's another terrorist country that hates mutants except these people kill other people and death locks here yeah that's that's another thing like when i started the issue i i'm just like i don't need more of this in my life of the whole like mutants as like oppressed minority and fighting against governments that want to kill them i'm just like I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's the whole, that's the whole shtick. Like, that does, that part didn't bother me. Um, because that's what I, that's what I come to expect when I read an X-Men, X-Men comic. What I don't need is really is, um, made up Eastern European countries ruled by dictators that then get put under military law and killing people and things. That's really not, that's really not a, 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 a plot, a plot, plot line that I, love to read in 2018 yeah but all just casnia to me they're <laughs> whatever yeah um cool well any other x-force thoughts or marvel december 20, 2018 thoughts um no <laughs> nope no, no I'm not okay. gonna keep reading this okay well I, folks that is oh go ahead sorry <laughs> i was gonna say um even if someone is like, no, no, this turned around to be like one of the best books of the century, I'd be like, you're lying. <laughs> I don't think I would believe them either. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. Yeah. That's all I had to say. <laughs> oh, no, you're, you're good. I, I will probably, I probably, I don't know that I'll, I'll be too quick to pick up issue two after this. Um, folk. Okay, cool. Well, folks, that is the, um, the end of our main the main part of our so you can keep listening after this commercial break to our best of 
best of or end of 2018 uh, section that we recorded earlier. Uh, It's Nick, Jess, and I talking about some books that we really loved in this year and getting ready for the next year. Uh, We'll be back at the in 2019 at the end of January. Uh, Marvel's starting the year strong. Looking at the the January solicits, there's a lot of uh, big things happening in January. They're they're hitting the Conan train uh, hard. We probably won't talk about that. <laughs> uh, but Kate's and Kate's and Shaw relaunching Guardians of the Galaxy. Kelly Thompson's Captain Marvel book starts. Black Widow begins. Tom Taylor on Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man. Invaders Champions being relaunched. Man, uh, Daredevil's getting a five issue. Uh, weekly series uncanny x-men ends and the age of x-men begins and then they're all the beginning of the 80th anniversary one shots so there's a lot of a lot of content for us to discuss and be excited about as we move into 2019 um but with that i think that's it all right thanks for sticking with us and we will see you after the break Hello, my name is Alice W. Castle, and I host Force Ghost Coast to Coast on the Multiverse A Podcast Network. Each episode, we discuss all the news from the galaxy far, far away, from movies to comics to novels to TV to games and everything in between. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. Come join us next time, and may the Force be with you. And we're back, folks. We are at the end of a year, and oh, what a year <laughs> it has been. Oh, 2018. I will not miss you, <laughs> and I think a number of other people won't either. Um, but with that, we're a Marvel podcast, not a worldy whatever we want. Um, and uh, Marvel in 2018 did a, uh, a large number of things, so, so briefly... Um, you know, 2018 saw the end of the Marvel, Marvel Legacy relaunch in May, which had only begun eight months prior in October. So very quick turnaround. There were a lot of anniversary issues that went with the Marvel, Marvel Legacy thing. So like Iron Man hit 600 issues, Thor hit 700 issues, Cap hit 700 issues, Daredevil hit 600, Miss Marvel hit 50, Amazing Spider-Man hit. 800 and saw the end of you know dan slots run with the character brian michael bendis left marvel for probably forever and then in may the fresh the fresh start relaunch happened um which in my opinion has sort of been um like very unorganized in the way that like all the titles feel not sort of not sort of really cohesive and maybe we can have a conversation about that um but it also brought like a lot of sort of like good and wonderful I would call it like fringe books or whatever, like books sort of on the margins that are still happening and still uh, really wonderful, which are most of the books I think that are on, on my best of list for Marvel this year. Uh, the fantastic four came back, which is exciting. This was the year of Saladin Ahmed and Kelly Thompson at Marvel. Both um, are set to do big things in 2019 and also publish some of the best books that the publisher put out in the year. There were not any line wide events. Um, you know, making good on the promise of, you know, the end of Secret Empire, which is like kind of fake because there were like a, a ton of mini events. Infinity Countdown, Infinity Wars, Doctor Strange Damnation, Spider-Geddon, Avengers No Surrender, all that Wolverine shit. I don't even know where he is still. Um, 
or if he's returned or whatever, but all that happens. And um, so those were like all the mini events. And then also in a big way, the X-Men came back and are in the spotlight um, with Jean Grey coming back. And then also with Uncanny X-Men still in the midst of its uh, weekly uh, disassembled arc run and their big plans for the X-Men in 2019. So all in all, this really felt like a year of Marvel um, restructuring itself, which is kind of how I would, I would categorize Marvel. What do y'all think? Um, what do y'all think about that? Yeah, it was definitely a big year. And uh, especially after the failure that was the legacy relaunch at the end of last year, um, I think this year was a lot of course correcting, a lot of bringing things back to basics, a lot of um, just sort of figuring out what creatives they had and like trying to solidify them as like more standard teams that people can expect on Marvel books. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Jess is with us back yes, from am. the grave for this, this 2018 special. Was, um, <laughs> uh, Jess, what do you think about, um, about all the, about that, that sort of framing as this being a restructuring year for Marvel? Yeah, I think it. I think it was a solid year. I, there's so much that I wish I had time to read, um, uh, but I think that the the no line wide event, like I think that really helped, and I think bringing back the Fantastic Four really helped, and I do think they're starting to take more chances and um, creative teams, and and I am I am actually really like last year I wasn't too hopeful, but like at the end of this year I I'm pretty hopeful for like 2019. I think, um, yeah, I think it's gonna be good. I'm excited. Yeah, I remember when we when we did sort of the end of 2017 stuff, we all kind of said like, yeah, things aren't looking super wonderful for Marvel. Like we were just at the beginning of Marvel Legacy stuff and that was kind of like pittering out or whatever. Um, but it really feels like Marvel is starting to kind of get get back to a, a place where they kind of they kind of have like an identity and like there's like there's a lot of good things that are happening. There's a lot of good things that are in motion going into this next year. Um, and that's exciting. That's an exciting, that's an exciting place to be. We're going to get to talking about some of the things that we really enjoyed in 2018. But before we do that, we put out the call to some of our other multiversitycomics.com compadres where we're hosted to see if any of them, uh, had things that they wanted to talk about, things that they really enjoyed from Marvel in 2018, we got one response from Marveling at the Movies uh, host, Matthew Malikoff. And so he's here to give you a little spiel about Immortal Hulk, a book that Multiversity named as their favorite ongoing of 2018 and a book that we haven't covered nearly enough or talked about nearly enough on this podcast. Hey gang, Matthew Malikoff here to tell you about Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett, aka probably the best Hulk story ever written. And look, I know there's Greg Pak's book, there's Peter David's book, all of it's fine and dandy, but Immortal Hulk takes the Hulk into a brand new arena by turning the book into a horror book, which is really not something that you get a lot in comics these days. I think with that alone, it probably makes it worth reading. Joe Bennett absolutely kills it on the book. The, the thing's fucking terrifying. Uh, and Al Ewing's arguably the best writer in Marvel Comics. So if you are missing out to this book, please stop doing that and go to your local shop now. Uh, but with that, we're here to recap 2018. So all of us have sort of prepared a list of our top five uh, favorite current or favorite comics of 2018 or current comic titles, not like individual issues, 
although we can talk some more about some of the individual issues that we loved uh, in later parts of the episode. Um, so we're kind of going to go through our top five and talk about all those things, why they made our top five. Um, and yeah, so so we'll go we'll go in the order Jess, Nick, and I will talk, and we can you know kind of add comments as we go or whatever. Um, but yeah, so Jess, I'll I'll turn it over to you. What was your fifth favorite book that Marvel published in oh, the year? Oh gosh, I didn't put them in any order. Um, <laughs> I <have my> five, <laughs> but I didn't like put the effort into like a specific order. So I'm going to just list them not in any order. <laughs> Do you want me? Do you want to go? You want to go to Nick first, and then you can. Or um, okay, I'm gonna just I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. Okay, so my fifth my fifth pick um, <laughs> is is actually a book that we talked about on a recent episode. It's actually Runaways. Um, that's that's uh, yeah. Nice. I've I really enjoyed what's been done with that book, and I I'm really excited for next year. I, I actually really hope it goes on for a while. Um, it's got like the concept to go on for a while. Um, I think like like. Uh, on the on the previous episode i talked a lot about like gert and her storyline in the first like f- first arc and and her coming back i think that's like that's kind of what pushed it up for me compared to like a bunch of the other stuff marvel's been putting out because I, I think it's just such a cool way of like attacking that idea of like what happens when you come back from the dead um uh so that's that's mm-hmm. been really good uh, my fourth pick is actually a book that recently Oh wait, let's go. Let's go five, oh, okay, five, cool. five, that, five, and that's then... Perfect, then go. So that's my fifth pick is Runaways. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Nick, we'll we'll go to you then for for five. So my list is really weird, just because the majority of the year I spent uh, reading Marvel's back catalog, like just older, like longer runs. Um, so I didn't read that many ongoings or even miniseries this year. Um, I basically started out the year finishing out the series that I was reading last year and then I like just dipped in and out. So some of the things that I have listed are like two issue miniseries and some of them are like a one shot or a single issue of a series. Um, So hope that's not breaking any rules. But um, number five is probably the most normal (laughs) uh, run (laughs) on here. Um, It is the Mark Wade Captain America. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, and at first he was doing it with uh, Chris Samney and Matt Wilson. And then um, after that, Leonardo Romero took over. And we all know by now, as I've talked about on like every single episode, I love Leonardo Romero. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Mark Wade, um, he had an, a weird task of taking Cap uh, after after the whole um uh, why am i blanking on the name secret empire secret empire um after that whole thing um and just trying to like i was saying before bring him sort of back to basics and this actually started during legacy um but it continued into this year and yeah it there were a lot of like one-shot stories and specifically in the ones that came this year um there were stories that were more thematically about captain america and the closing story for the book was really interesting because it kept on bringing in um, like the main story drawn by Leonardo Romero uh, took place in the future for uh, one of Cap's descendants. And it kept on flashing back to like different times in history um, that Cap existed and fought different types of evils. And uh, they used different artists to represent each of those different periods. And it was very cool. Um, 
yeah very enjoyable story and that is my number five pick nice nice i read because i've been catching up on things slowly read the romero mark white stuff on cap recently um it was very good i enjoyed it a lot um cool so my number five uh so i like made a list of like 10 books that i really really enjoyed and i had a hard time cutting cutting it down to to five so i have i have a tie for number five two books that i i really really loved and and um loved all all throughout this year so um so the first one is x-men red which i imagine we may be talking more about later further on in this issue uh written by tom taylor illustrated by mom Nasrar and um and others uh i loved this book we reviewed it the first at least the first issue of it back in february on our podcast so for the end of phoenix resurrection um it was a great book of so jean gray's back she's in power and she wants to do things differently she wants to like influence the world she wants to to change the world she wants to change the world on a global scale and she's not just satisfied with with being the x-men and just like fighting bad guys and and all that and i just think it's like such a beautiful um like hopeful in tone book although like you know parts of the content are not necessarily helpful in terms of like gathering gene gathering um this like team of characters and like laura and gabby are still around which like tom taylor had written in all new wolverine which is just like wonderful and he like he gets both of those characters and i just like love that gene is trying to tackle the ills of the world on a global scale and i just i thought it was a wonderful book and and it ends with issue with issue 11 i think this month or, or next month i think it's this month um but it's it's a one it's gonna have been a wonderful run and i'm excited to one day own the collection of all all those issues um the other book that i feel like i couldn't have gotten through 2018 without is uh is jessica jones and that's in both iterations so in the brian michael bendis michael gatos uh, iteration that ended um i think back in april or something like that with issue 18 and bendis had a long love letter to jessica jones uh, in the back of it because nobody had ever written jessica jones in a solo book uh except for bendis um and it was like a very heartwarming letter and like i just kind of like that was one of those books that I think people were like Bendis is being Bendisy, um, and like it was it and like it was very like dialogue heavy, but the art was beautiful. I just like I, I don't know. I get I'm not as hard. I don't hate Bendis as much as a lot of other people do, um, and I loved his Jessica Jones book. But I also recently um, read the Kelly Thompson and um, Matteo de Ulus Ulus um the marvel digital original jessica jones book that's the continuation of bendis's stuff um as that book has moved to to digital only uh and it was uh one of my favorite digital first comics of the year and actually wrote our post on multiversity about about um it because other people like about it it was our second favorite digital first series on multiversity um and i just i think i just love kelly thompson i'm so excited um about like all the things that she's doing at Marvel, all the things that she's going to continue to be doing. Like she just wrote a great Jessica Jones that was very much grounded in all the things that Bendis had done prior. And also like looked towards um, like the future of the character and was like grounded in continuity, but like used the continuity and everything in a way that was additive. And in a way that was probably what all those titles are meant for, because they're meant for people 
I think who like watch the Marvel Netflix series and then want to pick up a, a digital book and or like pick up something immediately. And yeah, I just think I just think she's she's doing great. I'm glad that she's writing Jessica Jones. I'm excited for the book to come back in January. And yeah, that's that's where I'm at. So that was my number five. Those are my number fives, I guess. Uh, Kevin, quick um, note: Have you read Kelly Thompson's Hawkeye yet? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. <laughs> okay, um, there's a two issue arc where Jessica Jones comes in. Right, right, right. Um, I yeah. I remember. I think. I, like I remember, you, I I think we've talked. We might have talked to this, or but like I remember, like I've seen the solicits and and all that stuff. I think I feel like in like an episode or like in an issue of West Coast Avengers too. Like recently, like Kate mentions that I could be wrong. Um, okay, but yeah, no, I haven't read her Hawkeye stuff. I need to, and I want to. <laughs> That's like high on my list of things that I need to need to read going into 2019, um, especially as you'll see uh in a book later that i picked higher on this list so anyway with that jess what was your number four uh my number four is your number five <laughs> it's one of your number fives it's uh <laughs> it's also x-men red um nice uh yeah i don't i don't know what more i can say uh that you didn't uh bring up already but um yeah x-men red is such a special book and uh there was actually an article written um, which probably terrible plug somebody else, but it's a really good article. Um, <laughs> it's a really good article. Um, it, it's it's a it's from the AV Club. It's about Tom Taylor's writing of that book and All New Wolverine and how, which we'll talk about. But it's it's a it's it's a look at like how heartfelt his superhero writing is and how he tries to take real world issues but not be so clueless and heavy-handed with it like he he kind of approaches things in a very uh realistic manner for a guy like him he's he's a, he's a cis white male so it's kind of like you know how much can he do he's not trying to force his way into something that he has no real like he's not trying to get out of his lane but he does things with superheroes that's very um honest and real and relatable while still ca- kind of keeping them uh in like that kind of fantasy superhero world, if that makes sense. But X-Men Red's really great. Uh, Jean Grey came back and he kind of got the baton there after she came back. Like, what are you going to do with her? And um, this book didn't get the lifespan that it should have gotten, but what we got was really great. And I'm really sad to see him go. Um, But yeah, definitely a fantastic read. Any X-Men, any X-Men fan um, who's looking for like the newer stuff to get into. That's, that's definitely a really good one to get into. That's, it's a great book. Mm, i i agree with all that i wish we could have gotten more i wish taylor could have done more but i'm glad that we got all the issues that we did um yeah nick what was your number number quattro so mine was x-men grand design and um just the initial two issues and special shout out to uh the collected edition which is a really cool way to collect it it's treasury size so it's huge um and huge. uh <laughs> huge and at the end of the book uh like after the actual grand design issues it has a recolored um version of one of the like initial stanley jack kirby x-men comics um that was recolored by ed piscor um so shout out to that but the actual grand design series is a really cool um just a really cool way to 
approach a project like this. It's very creator driven. It's very much something that only Ed Piscor could make. And it's also very in the line with what he has made before, like Hip Hop Family Tree, um, where he just takes a whole bunch of history and condenses it into a really little thing. Um, just like a very short amount of pages for the amount of content that he is condensing. And yeah, it's, again, just the sort of thing that only he could do. Um, and it's funny, like... I think the only other thing that could be anything near as wild as actual history is comic book continuity. <laughs> so I think it's really funny that this is what he yeah. did. Um, the actual story, like, because it's sort of a just condensed history, sometimes it's like you go through one page at a time and each one is like an adventure. I think he does a good job putting little elements through to like make it feel like there's a grander through line. But at the end of the day, you're sort of, you know, reading this, it, it comes off as a little choppy, a little didactic at points, but even when that's happening, his cartooning is so, so good. Um, like I always think about this one panel where it's just one panel, but it depicts an entire heist through like sort of a diagram but also like there's really clear cartooning in the environment and the actual character. And it's like the middle third of one page and just the entire book is that great. Um, and the coloring is really interesting because it looks like an older yellowed comic book um, with like the coloring that has yellowed also. And yet at the same time, it's also really beautiful. Um, so yeah, he, he's great at, like sort of homaging um, everything that has come before while really creating something new that could only exist today. And that is why it's my number four pick. Nice. Nice. That also on my list of things that I need to read going into 2019, but um, that's awesome. And that's, that's exciting too, that there are things that Marvel's doing that are not just like the main in continuity books, but that they also have fun projects going on on the side. Um, my number four is Exiles, uh, written by Saladin Ahmed, illustrated by Javier Rodriguez and Rod Rice and Joe Quinones. Um, I think all those people did fill in, or not fill in, but like middle arc issue mm -hmm. things. Um, anyway, Exiles is another book that we, we have talked about on this podcast, um, it's wonderful. Javier Rodriguez, oh my gosh, is doing like the the art of of his career on this book. It's just like this book is so detailed and so gorgeous and just so like wacky and insane and it's just like full of multiversal hijinks which is um portrayed in all of the like artistic things that he's he's doing and it just like looks nuts and is so intricate and so beautiful. Um, and this was the book for me. Um, like I, I read Black Bolt and I enjoyed Black Bolt and I'm happy that it won an Eisner. Um, but this was the book for me that solidified that like Saladin Ahmed is, uh, is here to stay and should be on a lot of the comics. And he is because, you know, he's on the Miles book, which started this month and he's going to be on Miss Marvel as we enter into the new year. And I'm excited about where he goes at Marvel 
and I'm sad that this book is ending with issue 12. But again, I would have, I mean, I would have loved for this book to have gone, gone on forever and ever and ever. But again, to have all these different takes throughout the multiverse of all these different characters that, um, that I love and that are important to this universe. I think it's just been super fun and super, super colorful and just super, super beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, Jess. Numero tres. Um, my third pick is actually a, I'm, I'm cheating. It's not a tie, but I'm considering them one thing, sort of. Um, and my number three pick is All New Wolverine slash X-23, um, which they're, X-23 is the sequel series to All New Wolverine, and I think that what All New Wolverine ends with, X-23, Mariko Tamaki picks up beautifully and starts to do some really interesting things with the character that Tom Taylor kind of touched upon in his series. Um, uh, I spent like all of last year talking about how great all new Wolverine is. And I will spend as much time as humanly possible in 2019, trying to get everybody to keep reading like the trades. Cause it's just the best series. And the ending is probably not the most flashy, but I think it's a solid ending to the series. And I think it's set in X, it segues into X 23 really nicely where now, you know, she's not living under the Wolverine mantle. She's doing her own thing. I still have some issues with that, but she's doing her own thing and Gabby's still around and um, nothing horrible. Well, not great things have happened to them, but uh, Gabby hasn't been <laughs> killed off in some stupid tragedy that they wanted to do to, uh, to they, they would try to do um, to uh, get some headlines. Thankfully, um, their relationship is still great in X23. And the, the first arc is uh, involves the Cuckoo sisters and Emma Frost. And again, like that also deals with like what happens when you come back to life and things like that. And I think that's great. Um, it's it's not it as far as what the x-men are supposed to represent it's maybe not the best indicator of that um with oppression and things like that but it is um one of what's what has been written for laura um over the last year uh, over the last couple years has been fantastic and so yeah it's kind of a tie between those two that i i kind of put them together because i i think that x-23 is the perfect like continuation of that story and um yeah that's that's my number three it's great um yeah that is my number three <laughs> nice that was one of the books all new wolverine was one of the books that almost that i was trying to figure out how to get on this list and i didn't but i loved the end i loved that book and i just that was the, that that was the first wolverine comic that i ever read and i think just like tom taylor nailed all that and it's wonderful but yeah i'm glad that i'm glad that yeah Oh, yeah. All right, Nick, what is your your numero trace? Uh, number three is Miss Marvel, uh, which, as you guys know, has been probably my favorite ongoing at Marvel since it started. Um, G. Will Wilson still, to this day, writing some really, really wonderful comics. Um, I actually... Sorry, I, I should have looked this up before, but I'm not sure exactly which arcs happened this year, but I know that they, um, I'm just going to look it up. Um, they weren't as great as they have been in the past, um, but at the same time, every time that I pick up an issue of Miss Marvel, I'm just so excited to read it. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty sure... Uh, okay. 
quick question while I look this up. Have either of you been reading Miss Marvel? I'm very I'm very behind. Okay. I'm a couple issues behind, but I have, yeah. Okay. So uh I have my list. Thank you for that. <laughs> um yeah, so the arcs that happened this year, there was the whole arc where Miss Marvel was gone, um, and her friends took up the mantle uh, of Miss Marvel and they all sort of did it together and it was really focused on the supporting cast. Um that arc was really cool. Um, it wasn't the greatest arc and I feel like there were just not having Kamala there was, it felt like there was something missing, but the fact that the series is strong enough to support an entire four months where the main character isn't even there, um, because all the supporting characters are so strong. I think that's just a testament to how great Wilson has been the entire time. Um, since then it's been really building up, um, Kamala and uh, her relationship with Bruno and all that stuff. Um, and again, not like the greatest that the series has ever been, but I think like she and Nico Leon and Ian Herring um, just create a really warm book. It's fun. It's funny. Um, I don't know what else to say about it that I haven't in the past. It's still, it's still good. And I'm sad that she's going to be leaving. But I also, I feel like she's at the end of the stories that she feels like she can tell uh, with this character. So thank you, G. Willow Wilson. And you still managed to earn number three on my list. <laughs> that's what, that's kind of what she said in her like farewell letter that she um, published at Marvel is like she got, she said that she was getting to the point this year where she was, starting to like retell stories that she had already told. And she was like, this is the time that I need to exit. Um, yeah. And you really get that feeling. I think if you read a lot of older, like long runs, you really get that sense. Like at a certain point, a creator knows when they're at the end of the amount of stories that they can tell. And either they have to radically shift gears or they just have to leave. And that's where we are. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, Issue issue fifty was or issue thirty whatever it was 31. like the fiftieth yeah. thirty one yeah like that was that was a wonderful issue that was a blessing mm-hmm. and um yeah I I agree Miss, that was another one of the books that that almost made my list but that I consistently enjoy when it comes out um yeah Wilson you will you will be missed but we look forward to what is coming um cool my number three is the mighty Thor. Uh, written by Jason Aaron, illustrated by Russell Dodderman and Matt Wilson. Only the Mighty Thor stuff, not the relaunched book that comes after. Um, because, in in my opinion, the book took a huge dip in quality when Dodderman left, um, and they put Odinson back in the spotlight. But I'm excited. I am super excited about War of the Realms um, and all of that. And it may not have been that the book took a, a a dip in quality. It may have just been that I found the the Jane Foster story so compelling. Um, and that like when, when it got to its natural conclusion, when it got to the, because, you know, the, the Marvel legacy arc was, you know, the, the death of Thor, the death of the mighty Thor or whatever. Um, that was just like such a wonderful ending that Aaron could have ended his run there and somebody else could have taken over and done other things. And now he's, he's doing more, he's doing more stuff and it's, it's just a, it's a continuation. It's, it's still good. It's just, it's not as good. Like I just loved all the Jane stuff and like particularly, um, well, the end was beautiful, but particularly issue uh, 704, which is one of my favorite issues of the year. 
um, it was sort of like a, all of like the, um, whatever the name of the big monster thing that was destroying Asgardia, um, like Thor and Odin and Freya are like, are they all fighting um, the man, the Mangog like, or something? Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, like they're all fighting that on Asgardia and like Jane's like at the point where she can't pick up Mjolnir again or like she like her cancer treatment will be irreversible and she does it anyway. And like that whole story of like her dipping into her past, like in particular, like I read the first, the first page of that book and was just like in tears because it's like her watching her mother battle cancer and her mom's telling her that she needs to, to find a God worthy, worthy enough to believe in like worthy enough of her. And I just like, I don't know. I think I thought all of that and like that, all of those exchanges and like that struggle was really, really compelling and really beautiful. And like, that was really the struggle of, of like the Jane run stuff is like, what does it mean to be a God? What does it mean when gods fail us? And um, yeah, I thought all that stuff was, was really, really wonderful. And yeah. Yep. 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 Alrighty. Now we're down to our, our last two. Jess, what was your numero dos? Well, in a great coincidence. <laughs> no, um, no. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a great coincidence here, my number two is Mighty Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, I guess, um, yeah, the, the, I also specifically am only talking about the ending um, of of that run, um, not of that. I guess series. this is why Zach and Brian and Vince do the. We'll talk about that later. Like now, I get it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I don't want to be too repetitive here, but yeah, this was the end of uh, Jane Foster Thor, and this was something we all knew was coming. And um, it's hard to kind of do something so special when we know that it's going to end anyway. <laughs> um, we know that it's going to end, but how is it going to happen? How are we going to feel about it? And I think that the way that Jane Foster uh, eventually leaves the, the mantle of Thor is great. Um, I think it could have been a lot more tragic in a really bad way. I'm grateful that it wasn't. Um, and she goes out in a blaze of glory doing exactly what she just started doing from day one, being the goddess of thunder. And it's great. And it's emotional. And um, it leaves her in a place where we can come back to this. Um, and I think that's really, that's really great. Um, if somebody else down the line wants to pick it up. Um, but yeah, it, and, and I agree. I think that the new series kind of went down in quality once Dowderman, um, exited and he probably, I mean, he should get more credit for the success of that storyline, um, than he does. And Wilson too. Um, it's beautiful. It's epic. It's actually epic. It actually fits that definition. And yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It's it, that's why it's my number two pick. So yeah, it's great. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right, Nick, you're down to your last two. All right. So number two is the dazzler one shot. Um, because it was amazing. <laughs> it totally blew me away. I, uh, I picked it up on a whim I thought it was the first issue of a new series, but it was actually just a one shot and it tells a very complete story in one uh, shot. And uh, the creative team is, I see what, I see what you did there. Uh, the creative team is Magdalene Visaggio and oh boy, uh, Laura Braga. She did the art. Yeah. So um, yeah, basically the entire thing is Dazzler is, uh, instead of really trying to be in the spotlight as 
a pop star or as a superhero, she's uh, doing some underground. Uh, uh, she she's the singer of a more underground rock band, and um, at all of her shows, there are people. Uh, she tries to make it just a big show of solidarity um, between any different type of people, and yet. Uh, there are mutants who hate inhumans and they try to stop it from being a safe space for people. And uh, the main conflict is just about how she, uh, without really wanting to be a leader, ends up sort of having to be because she has the stage and uh, how she sort of tries to create a safe space for everybody um, when there is all this intolerance going on within her community. And I think it's a really interesting just exploration of those ideas and of um, just Dazzler herself. Like, I had never really thought about the character, but I think this is the perfect way to reimagine her. Um, and yeah, it's a really accurate, I think, representation of the way that creative groups and communities um, act around each other and like the pros and cons. And yeah, it was it was just a great issue, and it's my number two. Very nice, very nice, very nice. Um, my number two, and I hope it's not just as number one, uh, is West Coast Avengers. Yay, nay, no. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> great. So, uh, West Coast Avengers, written by Kelly Thompson, illustrated by Stefano Caselli, um, and. Then it changes artists after issue four. And I am so sorry that I don't have the other artist's name pulled up. I'm going to look it up real quick. Um, uh, But anyway, so that book, um, again, another book that we reviewed on this podcast, a book that I I will be honest with you that I uh, didn't think that I was going to be excited about and that I wasn't looking forward to. And then the first issue came out and I just freaking loved it. Uh, Danielle, Danielle De Nicolo, De Nicolo, De Nicolo, De Nicolo, Danielle De Nicolo. I'm going to go with that, De Nicolo. And then colored by Triona Farrell. Um, all of the issues. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a book that I think I was, I was going to enjoy. It wasn't a book that I was like super interested in reading. And then we read the first issue and I loved it. Um, uh, like it's just, and again, I have sort of been drawn, I guess, minus like the mighty Thor to a lot of like the, the sort of like fringe books, the fringe books that like Marvel has been doing, um, this year, like since fresh start started, like all of the mainline stuff just kind of seems like very like homogenized and like kind of samey. Um, and I love just like what Thompson is doing with all these characters. Like they shouldn't be able to work together, but they do. And they're freaking hilarious. And like the book is gorgeous and like colored really really well um and i just like think that they're a fun and exciting team and just like a team that um that doesn't work and they're like super dysfunctional but like not in like the dysfunctional sort of like that they're beating the shit out of each other and like they shouldn't be on a team together dysfunctional in the fact that they don't have any money and they're just like a bunch of millennials trying to figure out how to get by and i just think that's hilarious um and i and i like this book and i'm excited for it's in the early stages, it's only through issue six, but I'm excited for where it where it goes into the new year. And yeah. All right. Number ones from everyone. Jess, here we are. 
So my number one is probably a little unexpected, um, but my number one is actually Spectacular Spider-Man, specifically the stuff, uh, specifically all the Chip Zdarsky written stuff. Um, In our Multiversity Countdowns, uh, the the final issue of Spectacular Spider-Man, I believe, ended up on there, a single issue. Um, And it's, it's fantastic. It is such a good series and it's like i I don't want to i guess i'm going to gush a little bit again about into the spider-verse but spectacular spider-man is basically the spider-man that i believe in like that is the spider-man that i think exists not this there's the spider-man that dan slot was writing towards the end was a like such a hardcore scientist which yes peter parker is a smart guy but he had him running his own company and, and this and that and um it didn't really work for me a lot, but Spectacular Spider-Man kind of goes back to basics a little bit um, without rehashing old stories in like a really repetitive sense. This is a Spider-Man that is um, someone who can do anything. He he can he can he's got a community of heroes that he engages with he is like him and daredevil know each other he's friends with like all the new york heroes like they all know spider-man he's a guy that is really a part of his city and um you don't really see that in a lot of what dan slot left behind towards the end he got so far and it's not necessarily a bad thing but he got so far deep into sorry, these huge concepts that he kind of lost what makes Peter Parker Spider-Man so special. Um, Spectacular Spider-Man had a lot of uh, nods to his history. Um, He went into the past um, in in a few issues. He... This series uh, took a look at the relationship with J. Jonah Jameson. Um, it, It just took... It just did a lot. And that that conversation with J. Jonah Jameson especially goes through, like, their history. And, um... It's just great, and there's a fantastic reveal, and it's it's such a good story, and it's beautiful, and it has like the best ending of a series, um, like all year. It's um really looks at like what the city thinks of Spider-Man and what like who he is, and it's so many different perspectives. Um, whereas like the dance slot run ended with that really beautiful like cry like tear jerking uh story of like the one family that was affected by Spider-Man this is like uh Zdarsky looking at like every kind of person in the city looking at it who Spider-Man is to them and what Spider-Man means to them and what he's done in the city and it's great and I love it and um Zdarsky is like the guy that I wish just took over Spider-Man completely um and yeah, unfortunately, things don't go the way I want them to go. But um, it's <laughs> it, it's a, it, yeah, Damn, <laughs> it's a wonderful you. series. It's like twenty four issues, I think, that he ended up doing. It's beautiful. If anybody is like, I want old school kind of feeling Spider Man, that's it. It's it's wonderful. It's it's a beautiful series. So, uh, kind of ironically, my number one pick is the very last issue of Dan Slott Spider Man. <laughs> it is. Amazing Spider-Man number 801, uh, written by Dan Slott, drawn by Marcos Martin, with colors by uh, Munza Vicente. And I think that this issue, <laughs> sort of the same things that Jess is saying um, just now, uh, again, ironically, um, because it's all about all the people that Spider-Man has affected, and it really focuses on the individual uh, the small person by person, the good that he does for 
his world. Um, and there is a quote in the issue um, where like a man is trying to explain to a kid like why he appreciates Spider-Man so much. And he just says he saves a world every single day. And because every individual person is a world unto themselves and they all have their own worlds. And yeah, um, the entire issue is just really well constructed. Um, I think it's the perfect send off to the character. I think it's the perfect, um, I think it's just a perfect issue <laughs> period. Um, the art is by one of my favorite comic artists, Marcos Martin. And um, he just has such a great sense of design and um, design in the sense that like it looks very clean and yet there's details that can be very like they can be very tiny and detailed but also very stylized in a design sense um, and it's almost hard to describe and yeah, sometimes you'll just have panels where, like, it's just a face against a, like, colored background. Uh, but then other times you'll have, like, a full convenience store where, like, everything looks very uh, distinctly like it is meant to be there. Uh, just, again, in a design sense. Um, yeah. And I really just think that this is one of, if not the best issue of, like, 2018 comics that I've read this year. Nice, nice, nice. Um, yeah, I'm going to veer out of the Spider-Man realm. Uh, my uh, number one favorite series this year is one that Jess already mentioned and one that we talked about last week. It's uh, Runaways. Um, so, and so we read, we reread the first arc of, of this book uh, last week on our episode where we talked a little bit about uh how the second season of this of the runaway show on Hulu is coming out or it has is already is already out. Um yeah, I love I love this book because it's really like the, the second arc of this book, which got into full swing um this year, uh the way that it ended and the way that like it has sort of kicked off uh what feels like is gonna be like Raoul's ongoing like ongoing story. Um I think it's just like really, really beautiful. It's really, really beautiful and really, really wonderful. Um, so, so a little bit of spoiler. So issue, so Runaways issue 12, I think one of my favorite issues of the year. Uh, it's the issue where uh, Nico and Carolina um, go to a, uh, like a charity event for Carolina's family. And they end up, they end up making out at the end of the, of the event. And it's just like the way that it's like built up and the way that it's, um like portrayed and like the way that like because earlier in the series like Nico's very much realizing that like she's alone and she likes like she likes Carolina and it's like building off all this stuff that had happened in Brian K. Vaughn's run on the book and and all this and like earlier things going on in the book and like I just think that it's just like such a, a beautiful wonderful moment especially like as it takes place alongside um this moment of like Gert uh who by this point has um sort of like rebranded herself as she just like still feels left out in this world that like she's been brought back to life and like Victor, who is just like a robot head, which is such like a weird comic thing, but that is happening. Like they also go into this like parallel dimension and like also have like a romantic moment together, which is also, which is just really beautiful. And like at the end of the, at the end of the issue, Alex Wilder shows back up 
And then like, so the next few issues and like the next like ongoing, Nick, you haven't read this and I'm totally spoiling it for you. And I'm so sorry. Um, That's all good. I, you, you posted the case, I think as your Saturday morning panels once. So I knew that happened. Um, (laughs) uh, It's just like, like clearly like Raul has like bigger plans for this because like Wilder shows up and then like the Gaborim show up again. And like, she's like very clearly building to like this larger, bigger conflict. And so like all of this, like bringing the family back together stuff that was like soft and, and innocent and, and, uh, and fun and like very, like very dialogue heavy and like very just sort of like quippy and, um, but also like very heartfelt. It's like building to like this bigger, larger conflict that is coming. And, and I, I don't think that I can say anything about this book without talking about just how much I love Chris Anka and Matt Wilson, um because just like the work that they're doing on this book is outstanding uh and i've loved all of chris anka's work at 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 marvel when he was on captain marvel it was really really wonderful those issues of star lord that he did with chip sadarsky are just like sexy and gorgeous his work on runaways i think is the best comic booking comic booking art that he has done in his career and it's, it's just phenomenal so um, I'm super excited to see where this book goes in 2019 because I think it's it's going places and it may get bigger and it may encompass other books. I don't know, but I think it's I'm excited to see where it goes. And I just think like for like for Rainbow Rowell to be someone who had written written a comic and then to like write a book that has appeared on other like best of 2018 lists now, like I just I think it's a testament testament to her and like a testament just like to to Anka's art and just like a wonderful pairing so yeah that's where I'm at all right all right well that's our that's our top five each of us folks we had a lot more overlap last year there's some more more overlap this year uh I think a lot of the books that y'all mentioned were on my like list that of things that didn't make it onto the list um but yeah man um what a year yeah it was a pretty uh no last year i don't think there was any overlap i think we did nine completely different series uh this year because we expanded it to five each mm-hmm. like yeah. that's 15 that's six more so like there was a little bit more room for overlap but we still did all choose sure. pretty different yeah. things got got very different tastes cool. it appears that's good <laughs> um it's good oh of course of course that's what you need in a in a good podcast team um well folks we've talked about some of our our best stuff in um in in the in the best series that we have talked about you have maybe have heard what some other multiversity people have enjoyed um we're going to kind of close out the rest the rest of the year looking to what are the things that as marvel goes into 2019 um that we're looking forward to based on things that we loved in 2018 um, or hated in 2018, what do we hope that Marvel uh, does more of or does less of, or do we have predictions about things that are going on in 2019? Um, Does anybody want to start? I don't know. I, because I didn't read that much like ongoings monthly books this year. um, And Marvel is always doing, really good at collecting their older stuff and putting it on Marvel Unlimited. Um, I don't know. I guess my my big thing is I think they 
went in a really good direction this year compared to the last few years. And I'd just like to see that continue on. Sure, sure, sure. Sure. Jess, what do you think? What are the what are things that you're excited or not excited for? Um, yeah, I'm gonna kind of agree with Nick there. Um, but I, I do think there's like like I said earlier, I think uh I'm very hopeful for 2019. I think that they've secured some really good talent and are putting uh, big books in the right hands. I'm excited to see Saladin Ahmed like keep kind of running Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm excited for him. Um, I, I, I think like in the post Bendis world, like I think that there in Marvel, at least like there's a lot of room for people to do new things. And um, we're going to have Tom Taylor writing Spider-Man, which is really exciting. Um I, I'm I'm eager to see what what uh, new ideas they come up with. I I, li- I like that they're pivoting towards like bring, the Fantastic Four. Clearly, going to be like a big player here, and um, they're trying to bring life back into the X Men. And and I th- like that's all really good to me. And I I I hope that they can stay away another year from line wide events because I think that they've built up some momentum by kind of not doing that by keeping like each kind of. Uh, part of the Marvel Universe kind of running their own event. I think that's the way to go. Um, instead of doing something that takes over everything. Um, I mean, that, for me at least, that's why I kind of got bored of a lot of Marvel stuff for a little while. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. And yeah, I, I think that they're going in the right direction. I hope that they can keep doing it. Sure, sure. I think, so I think when War of the Realms hits, I think that's going to be a pretty heavy wine line-wide event or at least like Avengers university heavy event. Um, but I, I don't know, like I, I don't, this is me and this is probably impossible. Um, I want the, like the, the main line of like Marvel books to sort of like coalesce a little bit more to like come together. Like we have a lot of books that are doing a lot of different things. Um, and I like that cause I'm seeing a lot of different parts of this world. Um, but it feels like, like the main Avengers title and like uncanny X-Men and then whatever comes after Uncanny X-Men are like the two sort of like big driving forces of what's going on in the Marvel universe and nothing else is really happening around them in a way that to me feels kind of, kind of odd. So I would love to see more of that. And I think like post war of the realms, which I think is going to bring together a lot of different things that are happening right now with like the Thor stuff and the Avengers stuff and like maybe the fantastic four and um, other characters or whatever. I think all that's, um, I think that's going to help springboard some more sort of like co like coalescing, bringing things together. Um, but I, I will say I've loved all of the books that seem to kind of be happening on their own though. Um, yeah. And I'm excited for more Kelly Thompson to be doing more Kelly Thompson things with Captain Marvel and with Jessica Jones and West coast Avengers. I'm excited for Zdarsky to be doing daredevil stuff and doing more Zdarsky things. I'm excited for more Tom Taylor and I'm excited for Saladin Ahmed to basically be writing all the teenage characters in the Marvel universe. Um, I think Marvel's got a lot of fun things coming for 2019 uh, and we'll have a lot more to talk about. Um, so with that, do y'all have any more wrap up 2018 thoughts that we haven't hit on? Um, should I go into my back issue reading? If you want to talk a little, yeah, if you want to talk a little bit, a little bit about that. So yeah, you said Nick that you've you've been doing a lot less main Marvel reading, but you've been doing a lot of fun back issue reading, um, and we've heard from some other people who've been doing some other back issue reading. What's that like as compared to reading less, reading more or less current stuff? Um, so 
it's a lot more I'd say it's actually a lot more of an immersive experience. Um, and it's funny because there's not as much like there's no current discourse really going around on any of this stuff. It's more about most people have this knowledge, but they don't really talk about it. And I feel like because like the zeitgeist has sort of moved on from older stuff, uh, you can look at it in a very new and different way. Um, so my main goal this year was to really just immerse myself in the Marvel universe and have that level of knowledge that other people have. Um, and I think I've succeeded. Um, the backbone of my reading was, um, so let me see. There were a few different things. Uh, I did a read through of young Avengers. I did a read through of, uh, Jim Starlin's cosmic stuff from Captain Marvel, Warlock, Silver Surfer, up through Infinity Gauntlet. I did Bendis' Avengers, the first, like, 200 issues, plus, like, all the events and, like, other series and stuff. Um, I started... I did about half of Hickman's um, Marvel stuff, and I started doing um, Daredevil by Frank Miller. So a bunch of different stuff from a bunch of different eras. And, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting because a lot of like, like I said, the discourse around this stuff, it happened when the books came out and people still to this day think of it as like, Oh yeah, that was a great series, but nobody really looks at it from like a modern perspective. And that's sort of what I was doing. So for instance, like, I feel like Bendis, um, it's really cool to see how he single-handedly really built, the Marvel universe for like the decade where he was the main Avengers writer. Um, and it's amazing how, as soon as he sort of stepped down as the main architect of the universe uh, around like the heroic age era, which was, I think 2012 um, his Avengers books took like a huge nosedive in quality. Um, and yeah, that was, I think one of the most interesting things Um yeah, the Hickman stuff, I'm still sort of making up my mind on it. Uh, his structural writing is interesting, um, but I'm not like super emotionally connected yet. Daredevil by Frank Miller, like I can really see how that fits into the history of like all of comics, really. Um, yeah, but by far, probably the two best things that I read this year um, were both miniseries, uh, Marvel Boy which was the uh, Grant Morrison and J.G. Jones, uh, Novar, the original series with him. Um, yeah, there. I think it was issue three is the one where he fights a sentient corporation. And it's just all of the like Morrisonian weirdness put into like a really concise, nice package. Um, and like all the themes of like youthful revolt and stuff like that, that he likes. Um, Novar, probably my favorite Marvel character now. And then, uh, probably even better than that was Truth, Red, White, and Black. Um, it's a Captain America story, but it's about the black soldiers during World War II who were experimented on, um, in order to perfect the serum before the white Captain America could get it. Um, and the entire thing is written by um i think it was robert morales 
and it was all drawn by Kyle Baker. And that series is just such a fascinating, uh, really artistic and very unconventional view of superheroes and an attempt to merge the ideas of superheroes with like sort of historical fiction and like really revisionist uh, historical fiction um, that tries to look at the prejudices um, of the time with modern eyes. Uh, And that book came out in the early 2000s and it really surprised me that Marvel published the book then because I don't see them publishing a book like that nowadays. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot to be learned. And if you have only been... uh, focusing on like modern current Marvel stuff, like I'd suggest picking just any sort of series that interests you, any character, any creator, and just going back and digging into some back issues. It is really easy nowadays with Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, yeah. I admit that I haven't done as much of that as I want to, and certainly not as much of it that as, as I would want to um, this year. But I definitely want to to make time for things like that going into 2019 and times to, to talk more about things like that on, on this podcast and just in other and other and other places to be able to read sort of more, uh, more of Marvel's uh, critically acclaimed books and also just like to read like periods of time and also just like to read um, things that we herald as like classics or good things with like a modern perspective and say, is this something that we need to continue to hold up or is this something that needs to remain historical? Um, but thank you. I'm. It's it's exciting that you do as much of that as you do, um, and I love getting to hear about it when when I when I do get to hear about. Um, Jess, are there final comments that you have as we go into 2019? As we go, are there TV movie things you're excited about? X Men related um, things that you're excited about? Nothing or? that I already mentioned, honestly. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm positive about it, and I I I'm yeah I'm 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 excited for Captain Marvel, so that'll be fun. I'm excited to see if they uh, kind of shift her to being a, a bigger player in the comics. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm excited to see what what kind of shakes out with what kind of presence she'll end up having in things. And um, yeah, I, I I hope next year I can do more back issue reading. It just I don't have so much time, and it's like it's so much, and so yeah. That's that's what I got. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now that is I like with with the Captain Marvel movie coming out, is it going to be more than just, oh, Kelly, she's getting a new number one. Like is is Carol's position in the entire universe going to get um, going to get more importance again? And then and in a non-destructive way, like Civil War II was. Um, we'll see. Uh, well, folks, that is our year. That is. That is 2018. Um, this is the first full year that this podcast has been on the air. This is our 20th episode of the show, which is like really exciting. Um, and it's exciting as we look into 2019, as we look into the things that, that we're excited about that Marvel's doing, the things that we can't wait to talk about, the things that we can't wait to explore, and um, the content that we can't uh, wait to, uh, to, to deliver to, to you all. Um, I don't know about you both, but this has been a super fun and super um, important part of my life this year. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to uh, 
chat every every month or so with you both and get to like you know chat on on twitter and and you know text and whatever else to get to talk about comics and 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 all sorts of other fun stuff so um yeah i'm looking forward to to more things i am too yeah same i mean this has been such a regular part of my life now so it's it's great i love it i love doing this i love like people listening to us i I love the whole thing it's it's been wonderful it really has like i'm excited to do this for another year (laughs) (laughs) at least another year we'll promise that (laughs) yeah 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 well folks um that's our show nick jess uh where can they find you all on twitter as we close out this year and close out this um, episode you can find me on twitter at JessCamNJ, and you can find all my work um on multiversity comics and geeked out nation yep and i am also on multiversity comics and on twitter at n palmary writes awesome and folks you can find me on multiversitycomics.com as well and then also on twitter at kb gregory 13 we'll be back in the new year in 2019. Until then, happy holidays, happy new year, and we will see you then.